Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, all theater lovers, both out and proud and on the DL, and welcome back to Broadway Breakdown, a podcast discussing the history and legacy of American theater's most exclusive address, Broadway. This series is called The Big Move, and it is covering shows that were so successful off-Broadway, they just had to transfer to the great white way and get some luck over there. Uh, I am your host, Matt Koblick, the least famous and most opinionated of all the Broadway podcast hosts, and with me today uh, is a new friend to the pod. You might have seen him in Diana the Musical. You might have heard us together on Life's But a Song talking about Diana the Musical. I'm in fact wearing a Diana the Musical t-shirt. Not official merch. This was designed by a listener of the pod, drawn by Brian. I will, this, this, this t-shirt will be posted online at some point. Please welcome Andre Jordan. Hello. Oh my gosh. I did not, I didn't even clock that you were wearing it. Oh, Oh. I was, oh, I made it a point to reveal it to you IRL as we recorded, get that a was, natural reaction. That was very well done. <laughs> it's I've seen the shirt before because mm-hmm. uh, someone else had posted it. I think maybe Robbie Rizal had posted it. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, I was like, where'd you get that? Then he sent me the link to the to the artist uh, page. But I think it's great. And on the back, it says something too, right? Yes. So um, Brian, who designed it, he's a listener of the podcast, and he was showing me the initial design for this and originally on the back it was going to say grab my bag grab my hat grab my feeble little husband and i uh-huh. said no 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 it should say ah uh, uh actually it's your royal highness <laughs> one thousand percent that bitch oh uh, <laughs> because i said brian clearly you did not see the show live so you don't yeah. know what line in that song got the gays to scream everyone lose their minds everyone scream how yep. I Best saw it, and we discussed this. I did see it twice. I saw it towards the end of previews, and then I saw it the second to last performance. Couldn't mm-hmm. go to the final show because I stupidly had tickets to the goddamn Lehman trilogy. Right. Um, 
and y'all announced a week before so i had no time to switch things up yeah uh, i'll never forget where i was when i got the news andre i was sitting waiting to watch west side story on imax and right before the movie began i got thirty thousand text messages i thought i thought a family member died yeah <laughs> it was everyone in my life being like what are your plans next sunday oh my gosh uh because uh, everyone knows how much i love that show anywho yeah. But we're not talking about Diana. Right, not this time. That's a different. You can, yeah, you can see that episode about? over at, you know. Yeah. Over, we can, yeah. You can see the Diana musical episode on either Life's About a Song or on my podcast from this past August for the Underestimated series. But Andre, what musical are we talking about today? Oh, we're talking about Ain't Misbehaving. Mm-hmm. I'm I saving love my show. love for you. I love the show. <laughs> what, I what did this your... show. Oh, sorry. Did the show. Now, what is your history with the show? Oh, yes. So I did this show at the Phoenix Theater in 2013. Mm-hmm. 13 or 14? Let's say 14. I want to say it was 14. 2014. Um, and I really enjoyed it. I loved it. Um, it's actually like, it's probably one of the, my favorite shows that I've done. I've auditioned for it a few other times after that, trying to get back in and do another production of it. But um, it's just one of those shows that when it's when it's such an ensemble cast mm-hmm. like this, everyone gets a great chance to shine and show. Yeah all of what they can do um so to get that opportunity is like yeah take it if you can find a show that were you familiar with the show before you did it or sort of like kind of in passing it's kind of in passing i i hadn't really i mean i knew mean to me because Mm -hmm. um of nell carter's performance on the leading ladies of broadway the pbs uh recording of that concert and um, when i was at amda that song was given to a lot of girls Mm -hmm. to sing. so i knew mean to me and that was pretty much it yeah um I'm familiar with the show. Listeners of the pod will know this. Uh, Amos Behaven is one of my dad's favorite musicals. He saw the original on Broadway, I want to say three times. And then he saw it on tour and he saw it in Chicago. And then they did, um, I guess you could call it a revival. They did a revival reproduction of it at the Amundsen in L.A., Armelia mm-hmm. McQueen did it again. And I know Roz Ryan was in it. I don't remember the rest of the cast, but um, they did it at the Amazon. And I went to visit my dad in LA and he's like, so we're going. Uh, <laughs> like, doesn't miss an opportunity to see this show. Yeah. Uh, so I've been familiar with the show since like middle school, I want to say. Yeah. Uh, but only saw it live once. Ready for it again. I think I think it's time. I think we deserve it. I think we've earned the right to see a quality production of Animus Behaving on Broadway again. Get Andre back to Broadway. I agree. Yeah. Um, Which an Andre for an Andre. <laughs> well, yeah, I would say, I, I assume you played the other Andre track. I, I did. I was Andre. Yeah. You were not Charlene Woodard. I was not Charlene. <laughs> I was not Charlene. And I actually just went in for a production of this recently. And when I first got the audition, they were like, can you read for Ken? And I was like, sure. But I've done Andre. You want me to do that instead? And they were like, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, do that instead. Yeah. You, <laughs> but you I would also like to do the, the Ken Page track. It's fun. Yeah. It's a fun one. Your feet's too big. You were sort of like John Krasinski when he went in for the office. Like, so you're going to come in for Dwight. And he's like, I think you should have me come in for Jim. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes they need a little help. Yeah, sometimes they do. I mean, I love it when directors, casting directors try to think outside the box. But it's also like when 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 gold is right there, you're going to just leave that on the table. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. If it ain't broke. Yeah. To to quote. The wonderful Shea Coulee. <laughs> Why is everyone acting brand new? Um, <laughs> absolutely everyone. Absolutely everybody. Um, so with this music, so this is an interesting musical to talk about. And, and we've done a couple of shows now on this podcast where there's been a similar trajectory for all of them where it's like they open off Broadway 
and the buzz is such that it's like, well, no, Broadway is imminent. Like it's got to happen. Right. And I mean, we see this now with a lot of transfers. Sometimes like it takes a while. Like Kimberly Akimbo is currently on Broadway. That was like a year later. Yeah. Um, but people sort of decide like, you know, once it's out and it's generally really well received, received yeah. it's like oh this has to go it's like yeah it's, and, and decides that they want it there yeah and this was an interesting case because uh, how, do you know anything about sort of like the origins of the show of like how a little bit because i know it was it played at a club on 73rd street i want to say mm-hmm. so uh it. this is i believe this is good this is our second manhattan theater club uh mm-hmm. show not our last i think we've got an, a, a third one coming up but uh manhattan theater club has a history of shows just doing real well in uh, their off-Broadway spaces. And this was their first um, transfer to Broadway. Oh. Uh, And actually, fun fact, everybody, my grandfather, Richard Tickton, was the chairman of the board of Manhattan Theater Club at the time that this happened. And he was very against Ain't Misbehaving transferring because he thought it wasn't true to Manhattan Theater Club's mission statement. He thought that that was too commercial. Uh And Meadow basically was like, screw you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You trying to make money or what? <laughs> yeah, she she was like, um, don't piss on my parade. This is going to Broadway. But yeah. so yeah, what happened was um, Richard Malpe Jr. of Malpe and Shire fame. So they did Baby and uh, Big, a favorite of mine. Uh, mm-hmm. Malpe and Shire, you know, they were a songwriting team in the '60s and had not really had anything come to Broadway. I think they had like one or two songs in variety shows on Broadway, but like nothing that was their own score. Everything they tried to write for theater. Ended up closing out of town like every single time. And they essentially like, like, screw this. They put together a review of songs of theirs that never made it to the stage. Some of which had already been recorded by Miss Streisand, like Starting Here, Starting Now and Uh Autumn. And um, I think she might have even done Travel. uh, And What About Today? And they did the review Starting Here, Starting Now at Manhattan Theater Club. It did well. They got a Grammy nomination. And uh, Lynn Meadow was like, so what about doing like another review show for us and at the time uh who is it um murray horowitz who's a big jazz fan i just, I just love these two jews came up with aim is behaving uh, funny story can i just interject for yeah, please, please so do. i'm uh so one night i'm like out with my my uh my partner at the time and this is like earlier in our relationship so mm-hmm. two years back and i you know like when you're like meeting each other's like friends and friends of friends so yeah. we go out one night our friend dan um we meet his friend Anne um and her girlfriend at the time Ari. they're now married um and we're just like chatting and things like that. You know, and it's like, oh, you know, you do musical theater. And I was like, yes. She goes, well, have you ever done Ain't Misbehaving? And I was like, actually, yes, I have done Ain't Misbehaving. It's one of my absolute favorite musicals. And she was like, well, funny story. That's my dad is Maury Horowitz. <laughs> yeah. I was like, excuse me? She goes, yeah, and it's dad's Maury Horowitz. He's actually coming here tonight. So then like he shows up. Was, we were there for trivia night at, at a bar near us. So then he came and like sat across and we just like chatted about ain't misbehaving for a while he was That's a amazing. Very, very nice guy but it was totally like random like oh yeah this is this is my dad <laughs> it's so crazy it's all inter- it's all interspersed because i know that uh richard Malby's daughters uh charlotte and emily they both have been on the pod mm-hmm. i know them from the stage door manor days and he, i mean he's like he's such a fun guy but like for a show like amos behaven it's so crazy to meet richard and be like you director that show because yeah. he's like he's so <laughs> yes. calm and sweet and quiet and like Amos behaving is just like it is fucking hot energy so yes. it's, it's so funny to look at him and, and if you watch the Tony Awards when he wins for best director you're like that's the guy who came up with like the most sizzling show in town yes <laughs> it's like um I don't know I, I it's like Ira Glass uh coming up with uh like Anne Juliet you're like you 
You? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The idea. Yeah, I mean, you're talented. You're smart, but that okay. Um, but yeah, uh, Horowitz wanted to do like a bio musical on Fats Waller's life, and that seemed like a good idea. Waller had a lot of great songs, mm-hmm. and uh, the way that Malky described it, he's like, you know, when Waller lived a, a big life, you know, he lived fast and died young. He died at like the age of thirty nine or something. Um, yeah. was like a big personality. And so it made sense. He's like, so they were, they had come up with the first act of a bio musical. And they're like, we couldn't come up with the second act. Cause it's like, well, then he just, he dies. Like they're, they're all the same. Everybody all the same. same. Star like rises, was... star loses money. Star yeah. either dies or stops or has a, like, it's always the same time. Story. Yeah. Well, so there's now, there are two structures now for the bio jukebox musical. Uh, it depends on if your protagonist is female or male. Correct. And, and also if the person is still alive. <laughs> Correct. Um, <laughs> because if they're still alive, I want now, even if they're dead now, like their estates still want to make it like a shrine to them. Yes. But yeah, so like if they're if the protagonist is a woman, like Cher or Donna Summer or Carol King, yeah. their only flaw is that they chose the wrong romantic partner at one point. Yeah. And if they're male, like an Ain't Too Proud or Jersey Boys, uh, they aren't close enough to their kids until it's yeah. too late. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing with the Neil Diamond musical. Like, that's yeah. always what Act 2 is about. It's like, fame and fortune wasn't what I thought it was going to be. I didn't get to know my kids. <laughs> it's yeah. like, that's, that's always what it is. Um, anywho. Anywho. Uh, but no, they decided to kind of scrap that because they're because. Yeah, they were like, this is this was before the bio jukebox musical was a genre. Correct. So they learned early on, like, the sort of a dead end, dramatically yes. speaking. So Lynn Meadow, the artistic director of Manhattan Theater Club, she's like, well, Malpy just like do another review like it was starting here starting now is like okay so it was gonna originally be the same uh cast format which was one woman two men okay that's how oh, oh, sorry two women one man no no sorry uh, starting here starting now was two was uh two women and one man and for I think Amos Behaven he was gonna do two men one woman mm-hmm. and they had a female star interested and she backed out so they're like okay let's do open call and he said on the very first day Nell Carter Armelia McQueen and Ken Page all came in uh, and he's like, <laughs> and he's like, well, I, I, and he had a hard time uh, choosing between the two women. Yeah. And finally, and finally, he's like, well, what if I just didn't choose? What right. if I just had both of them? Okay. And then, Audrey, yeah. yeah, and Audrey Shields comes in, and then Iron Kara, and he said that the casting kind of came about of, he said, I wanted an odd number of people, so there could always be mixing and matching of romantic partners, so that would yeah. add some drama. He wanted different styles of voices, and he also said, um, it was very important to him to have different sizes of actors on stage he thought that the the dynamics of that really would help with personality and whatnot and he's totally right and it's something that kind of always has been embedded into the dna of the show Uh and basically said they started they started rehearsals um on january 1st and there was no show they had a song catalog and they kind of figured it out as they went Uh uh-huh and they uh and, and he said what they he made sure that the that luther henderson gave them a very uh he, that he would create a very intense arrangement of black and blue that would take them a while to learn. So he could basically come up with act two while Jeez. they were learning. Black and blue. <laughs> God. And it's, he's not wrong. I don't think I ever really like <laughs> got it right. You know what I mean? It's, it's hard. It's, it's just, very hard. And it's like, and, you're, and it's difficult. two hours of other music. So it's not like, it's not like you're just dealing with that. You've got, there's a yeah. lot of shit going down. Um, but yeah, he said he intentionally made it difficult. So it would take them a long time. So wow. he bought himself some time to come up with act two. Um, and they, yeah, they did it like in a cabaret setting on East 73rd street. Uh-huh. It blew up immediately and they played for a month. And then um, uh, they, 
decided they were going to go to Broadway and basically kept it the same. The only thing that they really did was, you know, they beefed up the set a bit. And I don't know why Irene Cara didn't move to Broadway. It might be because she already had a film career going. I mean, it might. I mean, yeah, because I'm thinking if this was. This was 78. 78? Oh, yeah. Well, that was probably right before Fame. Yeah. I think she was probably like. In the 80s, let me know, I'm going to do a quick. Fame came out in 1980, so she probably filmed it in 79. Yes, so um, she, she had stuff coming up. Her career yeah. was going that way. She had already yeah. done Sparkle. So, like, yeah. she was, she was, I think she was probably the most famous of the five when that came, when that show f- first yeah. opened. Because no one knew Armelia, nobody knew Nell. Nell mm-hmm. had done the flop dude. So, like, who's ever been like, oh, right, that girl. Um, Andre was probably the next most famous because of The Wiz. But, like, Stephanie Mills was really the one who kind of came out of The Wiz with any name recognition. Right. Um, so yeah, it was, it was probably definitely Irene was the biggest name. So she probably, and because it was supposed to just be that one month, she was like, I'm sorry, I'm booked and blessed. I got to go. And the other four were like, well, we're out of work Broadway actors. We'll take this. (laughs) We're going to, we're going to ride this train. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, and and no disrespect to Kara, who's, you know, who was an, who was an icon, but I'm so glad that Charlene Woodard did it on Broadway. Cause that one is insane. Yes. She's the full, complete package full complete package and i I give you my hot take yeah if i were to do amos behaven not that anyone's ever gonna ask Uh i would want the charlene woodard track that is the track i want it's the one it's 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 got a great arc to it it's super fun um i just want to do yacht boat swing and i want to do do both (laughs) i don't even have to do amos behaven can i just do yacht boat like that's that that shit's baller okay you were going to say something. I interrupted you because I'm so rude. It's my podcast. I don't remember what it was. I don't Who remember. cares? Who oh, cares? Other than the fact that like, she's incredible and she does all yeah. three and that she's um, her dancing ability really lends itself completely to this role in a way that like she's just throwing her that character that she formulated and made. I don't know if it's the same thing that Irene huh. was bringing to the show, but like, you know, if that was like, if that's what she said and then Charlene sort of took it and molded it or Charlene was just like, I'm going to come in and do this. You know what I mean? Yeah. honestly probably i I mean i mean irene dances we we saw it in fame she was uh, her um coco was part of the 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 dance school in fame she was not uh going for music but Mm -hmm. also i love that which like fame is now officially part of the conversation has really (laughs) (laughs) but um although debbie allen also a connection to both of them do you know that debbie allen was a replacement in amos behaven no i didn't oh yeah this show has had some cool replacements. It had Debbie Allen, yeah. um, Lilius White did the non-actor of it. The uh, Pointer Sisters. She was uh, Charlene Woodard. What say what? The Pointer Sisters. Mm-hmm. Stepped in uh, the for the tour once. Uh, there was somebody else that I had written down. Uh, Adrian Lennox did it at one point. Yes. Yeah, just like some amazing people. But um, yeah, because Richard Malby talked about really like what kind of made the show so unique and why it's kind of lasted is because he didn't really set a show and then made the actors fit to it he worked with his company and and saw what they could do and it was very collaborative and honestly that's sort of what creates the best art is when it is that collaborative of what everyone brings to the table i agree Um, like uh, one of my favorite uh stories is uh this is a movie situation but uh you're familiar with when harry met sally yes Mm -hmm. the movie yeah um so the famous scene obviously is in katz's deli uh Mm -hmm. the orgasm scene Correct. That scene originally was written as just Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan talking about orgasms and how and Meg and Meg Ryan being like, well, women fake it. 
and they get closer to shooting and they're sort of talking about the script they're figuring stuff out and meg ryan's like i think it would be funnier if she actually just like mimicked an orgasm to prove to him yeah that women do it <laughs> and they're like yeah absolutely and so they they get to it and then on the day of shooting they're doing it and then billy crystal's like well what if after she's done someone in the deli says i'll have what she's having it's ge- it's it's genius <laughs> yeah. and that's the collaborative process yeah and trusting um, your actors in the moment to 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 do the work for these people and for to prepare for the scene 1000 percent. so i mean uh speaking of the office did you ever watch the office oh yes are you familiar with the podcast office ladies with i'm uh, not Oh, so it's Angela Kinsey and Jenna Fisher, Angela and Pam from the show, which I did not know this, but they are best friends. They became best friends doing the show. They're still best friends. And everyone from that show is still very uh, connected with each other. So they're doing an office deep dive rewatch podcast called Office Ladies. Mm -hmm. And they've brought a lot of people on to discuss stuff. And, you know, every episode, you know, they go through the episode, they discuss it. And then they offer backstage anecdotes and they bring people on to give more feedback. But the thing that they always talk about is that Greg Daniels, the showrunner and creator of the show, uh, his motto was always the best idea wins. It doesn't matter where it comes from. So yeah. everyone on that set felt heard. And there's like, there are so many things on the show that became iconic that weren't just like from the brain of one person. It was like, sometimes it was like, it was a crew member or someone like from catering said something yeah. one day and Greg Daniels was like, that's going in. Yeah. Um, and so that's what this was, was, you know, everyone just was very a part of the process. So I am a hundred percent sure when Charlene Woodard came on, Malpy wasn't like, so Irene did this. Irene did that. Yes. She's like, I dance. She's like, I cake, I flail, and I can take a purse and I will swing it around. <laughs> like my life depends on it. Ah, truly. And also, like with a show like this, where the music is black, mm-hmm. um, it's the it's the the team trusting the art, the the black storytellers to mm-hmm. do the, to, to tell that story. Yeah, you know what I mean. Coming up, being like, listen, we really here's the music, here's the setup that we've got, but when it comes to creating this, we're gonna trust that you know how this is how this is going to flow how it's going to work we'll, we'll be here to you know stitch things together but we trust that you're going to be able to get to the heart of these songs and absolutely songs, you know yeah it, it was the um i had um antoine smith on both the podcast and on my old uh, yes. web series yeah uh wonderful man he did color purple and mm-hmm. said like the very first day of rehearsal john doyle said like this is not my story this is your story. He's like, what I can do is help you with, you know, pacing and the overall structure. He's like, I'm going to be an objective observer and sort of help make sure that it all comes together as a unified whole. But I am not going to tell you yeah. how to like feel in a moment. I'm not going to yeah. tell you what's authentic. He's like, that's up to you. He's like, I am just sort of going to help you guys uh, get the ship to shore, but I'm not the person who's steering. And, yeah. and look what happened with that show. Tony's. <laughs> and got me pregnant multiple times. <laughs> I will say the one, I mean, and I don't know if this was John or if this was the actors, but because I only knew the show kind of from mm-hmm. the original cast recording. I knew the movie very well. I knew the book, but I didn't love the original cast recording um, for, you know, reasons. And I go to see the revival the weekend after Thanksgiving. And I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. We'll see. And I won the lotto for it. And I think I was in the front row. And I just remember when uh, the church ladies begin because we have you know first of the hey sister and then the church ladies come and they stormed to the front of the stage and sang into my mouth yeah i was like i don't know whose decision this was but you knew exactly how to disarm this really judgmental gay whoever's decision that was brava you got me pregnant so many times there ain't nothing i can do no nothing i can say that folks don't criticize me 
but I bring this up just because, uh, you know, it, it, it was a very special situation and, you know, they, they start rehearsals in January. They open on February. They close the beginning of March. They start rehearsals first week of April to go into the Long Acre Theater to open the first week of May. Like, it was bang, bang, boom. The Long Acre, where Diana the Musical was? You bet ah! your Broadway ass, Andre. <laughs> ah! It's all connected, it's baby. All connected. And similar to the Long Acre, Leia Polstadt, I don't know if you've seen it. The seen it. That, that, well, the poster is the kid playing the cat's cradle, which is okay. like... A very on the nose theme in the play, but it's it yeah. it hit home. But it's just how everything's connected. Like every yeah. no, there's a randomness to it all, but every action we make has a reaction to it. So at the, in the end of the day, nothing is totally random because it's all 100%. in response to something else. So yeah. yes, without Amos Behaven moving to the Long Acre, would Andre Jordan have made his Broadway debut in Diana? Who's I don't to know. say? Who's to say? Who's no. to say? I mean, yeah. if 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 John Doyle hadn't existed would i have had nine children <laughs> i don't know i don't know i couldn't tell you but Never but known. but we live in the timeline where i do and you yep. did so here we are i'm here i'm grateful we're so grateful um but yeah it's such a it's such a quick timeline because it goes um month by month they open and like two weeks no a week later it's the yeah, tony probably right yeah, they open, and a week later are the Tony nominations, and then two weeks after that are the Tony Awards. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty wild. Yeah. And do you like to watch old Tony Award ceremonies? Am I? Oh, yeah. Okay, great. So um, I don't know if you watched any of the Tony clip that I sent you, but uh-huh. back in the day, the Tonys used to be done at Broadway theaters, not at Radio City. Yes. And I've definitely talked about this on my pod, and I've, so sorry, listeners, for hearing it again, but I don't care it's my it's my house mine <laughs> this is my house uh what i loved about when they were at broadway theaters was that because it's you know 15 to 1700 seats yeah. it's not like anyone who can buy a ticket can go it's really like the community yeah uh, in that theater so you get a sense from the audience responses of like what the shows are that everyone's behind and when somebody yeah, yeah. wins like who we're excited about yeah so with ain't misbehaven like it's so crazy because on the 20th century, in a weir- weird way, was the show the community should have gotten behind. It had yeah. Hal Prince, Compton and Green, John Cullen wins. Everyone's excited. Everyone's excited that Kevin Klein wins. But mm-hmm. when Richard Mulvey Jr. won director, the whole theater was like fucking on fire. And then when <laughs> Amos Behaven won, everyone was like, yes! yes! Yeah, it was. You can you can tell in those ceremonies when the show that the audience, that the community loves wins. Yeah. Yeah, and that was the show, and it was, and it's yeah. so fascinating that like it had only been on Broadway for three weeks, and already everyone was like so behind it. Yeah, and it seems like I mean that reaction proves like they were behind it from the beginning because yeah. all those people were probably like, "Have you seen the show that's playing over at Manhattan Theater Club? You got to go see it. I hear it's going to transfer to Broadway. It's probably going to transfer. Oh shit, it's transferring. We got to go see it because I heard it just you know what I mean like kept kept it hyped up so until you know tourists and the rest of the world had a chance to get into it and really. You know, because that could, yeah. I mean, that show could have easily like had maybe like a four month off Broadway run and then gone for another year and then things. But like the the quickness that it had and how rapid it was to to get to where it got to, mm-hmm. all the right place, the right time. Absolutely. And this is a case where it, like, Amos Behaven hasn't necessarily been an international sensation. It has done well outside of America, but like, uh-huh. it is a very American musical just in terms of one hundred percent its history and jazz and whatnot. Yeah. Um. So like the like the fact that it plays in other countries at all, I'm like, good on you. 
but it's really, I never thought about that, but I guess yeah, they they could. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like they, it, it, it when it opened in the West End a year later, it didn't really run uh, very long. They lost yeah. the Olivier to a musical called Songbook, which who's ever heard of her since? Um, yeah, exactly. And Songbook only ran like five performances longer than Amos Behaven did on the West End, so it's like, did you really need to do that? Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it could have gone to ain't, but um, yeah, like Amos Behaven. It's, I mean, it, it's still done all the time here. It's had it had multiple national tours. They brought it back in the late '80s for a bit, although that was considered uh, sort of a letdown, just because, like, by that point, Nell, it was ten years later, and Nell Carter had become such a phenomenon. Yes, that the ensemble level kind of felt off kilter. Mm. Um, and also, you know, ten years is a long time. Yes, and while, and while Andre De Shields is the machine, he couldn't necessarily do it with the same vigor at forty-five that he could at thirty-five. One hundred percent. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like Frank Rich in the Times was like, oh no, it hasn't lost any of its luster. But the other critics were like, ah, it's a lost a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's not the show. It's just, you know, and the cast is still the cast, but it's 10 years, 10 years is 10 years. That's a fact. Yes. Um, you know, and, and like as you as a theater goer, as an audience member, you change too, right? So it's like the reason that you do revivals 10 years later is because you want fresh eyes, fresh this, like you want it yeah. to just, like, it to feel different because you're different, you know? Yeah. What you want to capture is the same feeling the same energy not necessarily a replica a replica yeah Yeah. and i think i mean also i think frank rich was so enamored with that revival because it was coming the 80s and 70s were decades where like when you did a revival it was either like a full-blown nostalgia throwback um or and and like kind of cutesy or it was like a full-on replica so like we did like sweet charity and it was exactly what bob fossey did west side story it's exactly what jerome robbins did cabaret exactly what hal prince did and uh, Amos Behaven did an exact replica, but also it was a nostalgic throwback at the same time. So it was a little bit of both. And so the fact that it didn't feel totally dipped in formaldehyde, Frank was like, oh, thank God, there's some energy. Yeah. I'm like, oh, no, there's some. Yeah. <laughs> but like the 90s would then usher in the, the decade of revivals like Guys and Dolls and Carousel and Showboat, yeah. where it's like, no, no, no. What if we actually like came at this anew? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, like with Amos Behaven, it, so I, I I say all this because you know we we talk about we talked about Hamilton and Rent and we have other shows we're going to talk about this as well. You know I've always said in order to make a Broadway musical a true hit with out of towners, New York kind of has to get behind it first. Yeah, because uh, out of towners want to see what's the hot ticket, and we're we are the ones that kind of make the thing the hot ticket. Um, mm-hmm. and it's it's always sort of hard to remember that. So like Hamilton became Hamilton because all of New York decided that they wanted to go to the public to see it. Yes. Rent became Rent because all of Rent, uh, all of New York decided they were going to go to uh-huh. uh, New York Theater Workshop. And the same thing is true of Ain't Misbehaving. Like, all of New York was like, I gotta get, as you said, like, gotta get myself to East 73rd Street. And then, and because it moves so quickly, the buzz was like, it, the buzz just intensifies because you're like, oh, it's that good? It transferred a month later? Yeah. And then the reviews come out and they're like, yeah, no, it's amazing. And so it's just it becomes a snowball effect and it's this yeah. tornado you can't deny. And right. that's always a really exciting thing. It happens rarely in, on it's, Broadway. It's so rare. And like, I like to think like, you know, when you think of like the grand scheme of all of Broadway, some people might think like, oh yeah, that doesn't happen as much anymore, but it's like, it happens. It's just, it's so distant between when each thing hits lightning in a bottle like that. That's why they call that lightning in a bottle because it yeah. just doesn't happen all the time. Like, no one knows why hits are hits. Like I saw Chicago last night and you know, <laughs> and I and I saw Jinx Montu. She was 
wonderful. The leads were incredible. The the show actually I really enjoy. I know a lot of people have a lot to say about it being on there for too long. But I mean, like, who would have guessed that that version of the show in 1996 would just would be what it was and, and have this sort of way that people are like, no, this is actually the quintessential New York City show, right? Yeah. Yes, it's about Chicago, but it has it feels very New York. Mm-hmm. So everyone has just decided that like Chicago is the New York Broadway show to see. So that's yeah, absolutely people go, you know? Yeah. I, you answered all my questions in one breath. So thank you so much. <laughs> I was going to be like, how is Jinx? How is this holding up? Um, <laughs> my mom and I want to go. My mom is a big Jinx Monsoon fan. Go see Jinx. Go we see her. Yeah. Yes. When 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 Beanie Feldstein announced she was leaving Funny Girl, my mom was like, "Well, they should get Jinx." And I'm like, "She's not. She's not wrong. <laughs> she's, she's not wrong." I had to sit her down and be like, "Sweetie, it's it's, a, it's in a few hours they're going to say it's Leah Michelle." <laughs> yeah, yeah, that part like, too. But yeah. Yes, but yes, after Leah, Jinx Monsoon. Um, sure. but yeah, you're right. It's so being in the community, mm-hmm. um, and I. I would not uh, flatter myself to say that I'm in the community. I've got some like fingers in the pies, but I'm not like balls deep into the way that a lot of my guests are. Um, <laughs> I like I I have a lot of interactions with young Broadway fans, which mm-hmm. I love. I love um, to sort of have these conversations with them and help them discover new shows and and grow their education. But there's this sort of it's not that it's not real. It's just that it's not, it's a little overblown. The sort of the, the fervor that young Broadway fans have for like a specific show when it comes out. Right. Um, Like we think of like Beetlejuice or six or anything like that. You Uh would think that there are these phenomenons and they're successful. They do well, but there's a very specific feeling when a show truly catches on immediately like wildfire. And as you said, like it is so rare, it happens, but it's, there's like a bit of a shift. And it's a, it's the show everyone's talking about. It's the show everyone respects. It's the show everyone likes. It's the yeah. show that does well. And 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 it's it, you know, because sometimes a show will catch on, but not everyone will respect it, right? Like um, yeah. I'm about to record after this Avenue Q, and that sort of with the yeah. whole Wicked thing was like Wicked caught on immediately, but it uh-huh. wasn't necessarily respected. Right. Um, still totally isn't. It's like even uh, uh those of us who will say we like Wicked, we say it sort of finally like I like Wicked. It's like, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, sure. It's been around for almost 20 years. That's not yeah. a hot take, but because it's not super respected, you know, it, it's, it's still kind of said defiantly. Yeah. Um, Something like a Hamilton or a rent, or even like, say like a book of Mormon, those are musicals that, you know, catch on immediately, get yeah. acclaim immediately. And everyone just sort of agrees that it's good, that it's successful. And then we will see it continuously to keep yeah. making it successful and that was Amos Behaven in so many yeah. ways like truly the hit of that season and a cultural shift that um even some of the quote-unquote bigger hits of that decade don't necessarily match like Annie was more of a cultural phenomenon the year before yeah. I can't tell you that Annie was a cultural shift to Broadway in the same way Amos Behaven was yeah especially I'm talking about review shows as review shows and sort of laying the the you know prior groundwork to bio musicals right or just mm-hmm. taking an artist's work and figuring out how to make that work on stage you know absolutely yeah no, th- there's okay actually you know what we have to take a break and when, <laughs> we, and, we, and when we get back from the break we'll discuss this further so let's take that break let's take a break Top. 
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty. And luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And we're back. Um, that was such a wonderful break. Did you have a great break, Andre? I did. I took um a pee and I had some sip of my coffee. Wonderful. I went and knitted a sweater. And you can't see it though, guys. It's not ready yet. Um it's not ready yet. <laughs> so we were you were talking about review bio jukebox musicals, and the thing about Ain't Misbehaven, and we see this with Broadway a lot, like um when Hamilton came out. People, everyone, I mean, anytime, like some, anytime he was alive and something quote unquote groundbreaking came out, everyone wanted to know what Sondheim had to say about it. Right. So they're like, Sondheim, Hamilton, groundbreaking. And he's yeah. like, well, he's like, let's see what the next couple of years look like before we say that. Right. Um, <laughs> and the same thing was true um, when hair came out. Uh, there's a book called The Season, and I was like, oh, do you think hair is going to be groundbreaking? And everyone in the community is like, of course it is. Like we're going to get a bunch of shitty rock musicals now. And yeah. <laughs> what it is, is that it's everybody trying to follow what they think is successful and not yeah. going with their guts of what they think is good. Right. And there had been reviews before Ain't Misbehaving, but they all lasted like three or four months. And mm-hmm. the only ones that were successful were off Broadway. Right. And there had been um, musicals dedicated to a specific song catalog, like there was Beatlemania, but everyone's like, well, that was a rock concert, and they were right. trying to emulate the Beatles. Amos Behaven was brand spanking new, because it was a review with musical theater energy, and it really yeah. fucking worked. And so for the rest of the 80s, everyone tried to mimic it, and no one could get it right. Yeah. Um, and we eventually got into the bio jukebox musicals in the 90s, and those all kind of bombed. Like, the way that the jukebox musical worked was like, it was a hit, and then it died. And then it was a hit with Mamma Mia again, and then it died. And then yeah. Jersey Boys came out, and then Beautiful came out like a couple years after that. And now it's like we're never getting rid of them. Because, yeah, because... especially because those three are because they did so well and they do so well in regional settings. Yeah. So like people people know those shows. Like you could have never been to Broadway, but you might have you've you might have seen the tour come through, or your local theater has done Mamma Mia or Jersey Boys. Yeah, or Beautiful now because Beautiful's being done a lot. Beautiful's done all the way, all the time. Yeah, which. <laughs> I like beautiful. I don't love beautiful. Beautiful is really the bio jukebox musical that started that template of our protagonist has no flaws except the one. Uh, And also like that whole, Oh, I wrote a song. I don't know if anyone's going to listen to it. What's it called on Broadway. And then like (laughs) that that bullshit. Yeah. It's like, Oh, I could never sing this. No one ever wants to hear my voice sing natural woman. It's like, we all laugh because we know Carol King's going to do it. it's like in Bohemian Rhapsody when Mike Myers is like, no one will ever listen to Bohemian Rhapsody. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jersey Boys and Mamma Mia worked so well because no one thought they were going to be anything. So like the four seasons were all very honest with the book writers about what went down. So they all come off kind of shitty and that led to drama. No yeah. one thought anything about Mamma Mia. So they had to work really hard to like make it something. 
yeah. when you have something to prove. And Amos Haven was sort of the same. Like they didn't make it thinking it was going to go to Broadway, but they're like, we do want to make something special because like we have the shot. Why not like make it the most we can? Uh, and that's sort of what people don't recognize. Also, um, the thing about Amos Behaven that I love so much, and I would love to hear your thoughts about this more as someone who's done the damn thing. I am simply just the silly white boy in the audience who <laughs> loses his shit for all of it. Um, <laughs> I love that it sort of celebrates the excellence of that artistry just by like sheer joy of what an artist can do. Uh, what like the different facets of their personalities of their of their talent of their joy like it's just such, it's an explosion of joy that show uh to me i agree i agree it also is um it gets a chance to show the black experience of that time through mm-hmm. the music that was most impactful yeah um whether like no matter where you were right if you were going downtown to the clubs to hear it or if like I, the, my one of my things that i really like about no, not every show does it the same way, but specifically like the the recording that's the the the, the recording that they did for television. Yeah, yeah. Production where the first act is more clubby downtown, and the second act is a little more uptown. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, sort of making fun of the bourgeoisiness of of New York City and maybe black folks that live on one end versus the other. Um, but all while still hearing the same music and and feeling you know having that connectivity for each other and for the music and for their stories um, in a way that's not giving you a full through line, but just like dropping into like the lives of these people and how the music influences their, their everyday lives, whether they're having fun, they're flirting, they're dancing, they're chilling, like what that was, what that time was like. I've always sort of viewed it as like act one is the experience of just living, having the raw talent and the joy. Act two is once you've made it and, and the riches that come from success. Mm -hmm. And then the second half of act two is sort of like still enjoying all of that while also acknowledging a lot of the pain and the confusion and the uh, wounds that come from, I mean, being a human in general, but definitely the black experience, uh, you know, it's and it doesn't do it like explicitly. It's not like and then Fats Waller became so successful that now we yes. have this moment. <laughs> they have moments of narration, which I really appreciate because and they also they, it's never about like and now feel bad because he died at 39. And they're like, no, we celebrate his life. So like, let's tell a fun anecdote uh, about him while also acknowledging the uh, racism and hypocrisy of the music, music industry. So like, right. Um, you know, these black composers would go around selling their melodies for 50 bucks and then that same music publisher would make hundreds of thousands of dollars that year off that music He's like yes. but what fats waller would do is he would sell the same melody to multiple publishers like end up making like a thousand dollars that week yeah no and and then then they all none of them uh could all make a hundred thousand dollars off of the song it was about uh-huh. who published it first so he right. got he got his um yeah and i, I like those i wrote this down actually during that little clip in the, in the in the show i remember mm-hmm. when i was doing the show those small little book things that aren't they're not longer than maybe like 
a paragraph, right? Just yeah. to keep the show moving. I always remember thinking like, even when I was reading it and then rewatching this, I was like, I bet they all just, no one really wrote. I bet they were just like throwing some things out and like maybe sort of, it all felt used to, I couldn't remember if it was improvised. It always sort of felt like, okay, you can say this and and feel free to, to sort of bring in something here, you know, cause you're, a lot of it is audience interaction. Yeah. But I do remember feeling like those smaller things that sort of moved the story a little bit forward um in yeah. terms of like knowing like where you're at like when when they're setting up the girls who dance with the, the ladies who sing with the band mm-hmm. and there's a little bit of like sort of chatter there about what's what's to come or set it up it's sort of just like just enough where it's just not overdone it's just yeah. sort of just like lay some information and then we keep going absolutely and then yeah little pieces of dialogue throughout songs that sound improvisational but like when you watch different version uh, different productions like oh it's absolutely in the script yeah and then you just... read the script and you're like oh that's that they played that very well because i yeah. did not think that that was a script in line but yeah. i don't know who she is but that's an awfully long solo that uh, is... <laughs> <laughs> what? who is she oh my god i oh, got god. it tonight you got nothing <laughs> oh so good um and then of course uh the number one famous line of the of the show which is well how'd she get that job one never knows do one do one (laughs) yes it's so good it's and and there's there's a there is a sexuality to the show which i love but it it plays with all the different kinds of ways that sexuality can be like it's flirty it's playful it's saucy it's cheeky and the show has a lot of fun with itself so it's for like i would argue the majority of the time so when we get to something like black and blue or keeping out of mischief which are much more introspective songs yeah it feels earned and not like um i don't want to say pandering because they don't pandering is more like um like a safety net like the musical we were discussing during break where i was like oh you're shouting i love purple to a room full of mauve that's right. pandering not pandering but like you know what i mean we're sort of like um the now the serious moment and you will all be moved because yeah. we told you you will be yes exactly yeah. like i've i always felt like the best dramatic shows sort of disarm you with humor at the beginning yeah, and, and ease you in. And then when the drama happens, you're taken in because you're not sitting there going like, I'm about to watch something serious. You're just yes. engaged. And yeah. Amos Haven, and also Amos Haven, like it doesn't start at an 11 in the same way that another certain musical on Broadway right now currently does with uh-huh. jazz music where it's like 11. Yes. <laughs> Amos Haven starts kind of softer and like, charming and and very engaging talking engaging to the audience and builds up to a fun finish at the end but there are there are no ballads in no. act one it doesn't it just tick 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 ticks it up which i think mm-hmm. also goes to what you said about earning those moments because now you've watched these characters slowly build who they are like and I, charlene mm-hmm. is like the one that i always go to because her character is she her character is like maybe at an 11 right because she is the more yeah. like fun flirty young just like doing her thing and then you get to see her be so ridiculous. And then she has these moments where they're where they sort of check her throughout mm-hmm. of like how she's being a thing. And then she sort of makes a decision in getting on mischief now that she's gonna she's gonna own herself a bit more. And like, you know, but you by the time you get there, she has laid down this idea of who she is to you. So yeah. then when you get there, you're like, oh, it's a full person. It's not just this. It's not just yeah. this. Well, is. everyone has sort of I don't want to call it a bait and switch, but like everyone has who they present as a, an act one. Yes. And then you get a major uh, 
viewpoint of them that's different actually it's like with charlene and i think we're gravitating towards her because we all know that that's my track uh yeah, maybe that's it yeah <laughs> my track. i really I'll, i just want to do step top step touch <laughs> hands on deck uh it's the becky role but because charlene that that track is is becky and there's and the point is like we've got nell and armelia who are you know uh more voluptuous uh sizes and their and their personalities therefore are much more abrasive so like mm-hmm. with nell we've got you know her being kind of the tough one in act one and then in act two she gets mean to me which yeah. shows you a little bit more of that softer side and then charlene she's kind of portrayed as the bimbo in act one and and this and the sex object the sex toy with limbs right. as i like to call it mm-hmm. um she's objectified she's thought of as lesser and dumb she's the one that gets cheated with not the one who gets committed to right and Act two has that moment that's played for comedy where Andre is now paired up with Armelia and gets caught with Charlene. And then uh-huh. he and Ar- Armelia have the song. I forget what it's called, but it's basically like about apologizing for the cheating and they move off together. It's and then called, she- uh, 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 that ain't right. That ain't right. Yes. Uh-huh. But the point of that song is by the end of it, like they kind of still just go off together. And then Charlene sings keeping out of mischief now. And it's just sort of about how, she's aware of how she gets used and what she keeps kind of falling into both because of how people treat her and how she willingly lets herself sort of step in it all the time. Yeah. And it's like, okay, it's, she's learned now officially in that moment that no, no one respects the bimbo and no one takes seriously the, the mistress. So she's got to kind of get her act together and, and put herself in check, which takes a lot of, uh what's one for um uh self-actualization um um i'm i am i am low on coffee so i the words are not coming the director choice for her to be in the room because she's at the piano while they're doing ain't that right yeah so for her to have been in that situation get thrown out of it and then to watch it and then to see how messy it is I feel like that's her turning point of being like, oh, maybe this is maybe this is all just a bit too much. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I'm maybe, doing a little too much. Um, yeah, maybe maybe I, I'm going a little too much. And also maybe the drama is not that fun. Maybe it's not that fun. Yeah. yeah. And I want to yeah. I want to keep myself out of that mischief now, you know? Yeah. She's also got the biggest mouth, which is that means nothing. I just, oh, but like she, her, her, the whole expressiveness of her body from her mouth to her to the top of her head to the extension of her feet. Like anytime that she dro- she does a lot of dropping it like it's hot. Like she'll mm. do like a full like to the floor and back up, and she kicks and like the whole the wholeness of that and what she brings to her character. Like it's all just it's all there. And like literally when she's thinking, keep out of mischief now, I'm just staring into her throat. Cause yeah. I just want to know where the sound is coming from. <laughs> and she's just got that mouth oh, at the very end she like does this like mischief and she just holds it and then like sort of looks at the camera like real super like cute and oh it's so good. But I um, I, I, I live for the big mouth because I'm looking right into the throat. So <laughs> there was okay, there was a night one night I was at my friend Danny's and we had um, Papa John's whiskey 
and an edible and then we watched mrs claus uh because i this was this was recently it was like uh-huh. we were just past christmas but like it was within earshot and i because i had been going through it and i needed like a night and in my haze i said you know how some people have cheesecake mouth or cheesecake face and jenny's like what does that mean and i go you look at their face and you just know that they've tasted good cheesecake and at the time and i wrote this down at the time i said Cheryl Lee ralph has tasted good cheesecake I said, and then i said <laughs> i said i said amy adams amy adams has had bad cheesecake and kristen, <laughs> and kristen stewart has never had cheese never had cheesecake <laughs> no. darlene woodard has had good cheesecake oh yes yeah 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 yeah. she's got good cheesecake face ah i love it what a weird specific thing but like that is, is i totally get it that is the kind of thought you can only have after a lot of whiskey pizza yeah. <laughs> and, and, and a animal <laughs> remember that guys who has who has good cheesecake face right in, tell us yeah yeah you look like you've had good cheesecake, Andre. Oh, I have. Yeah. <laughs> I love, I'm a Golden Girls fan, so you know I've I've had cheesecake. And see, Rue McClanahan, you look at her like that bitch has had good she cheesecake. Had cheesecake. <laughs> um, <laughs> God, you know who has probably seen Amy at the Haven? All the Golden Girls. They probably all went together when it was touring. Miami. Oh, I bet. Oh my God, I bet. Yeah. Uh one hundred percent. Um, what's a what's a favorite song of yours in this show? I have a lot. I um, know. We'll go, we're going through all of them. We're, we're starting with a pinky and going to the full fist. Okay. So I think, so Take Nobody's Business is actually one of my favorite songs. And so I, I didn't know that from this show before. I'm, I love Billie Holiday. Mm-hmm. So I know that from her catalog. I've seen Lady Sings the Blues with Diana Ross countless times. I had, I had the DVD back in the day when people were having DVDs. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one of my absolute favorite songs in like a in like a standard songbook so that's one of my favorites in the show and i love that it's like the first um thing that you meet with andre um mm-hmm. which really much sets up his character very well of, of just like i'm this is my life i'm gonna swing i'm gonna ha- do what i do there's you know I, this is just i am who i am baby yeah he's um, like the vice track he's yes. al- he's always he's always indulging in the vices yes 100 and which you know act two viper's drag clear indication of what vice he's consuming you know what i mean <laughs> it's just in case there was confusion about why he is the way he is it's this um uh which i also love the viper's drag as a as a cannabis user um mm-hmm. i found that role and that song very fun to do because <laughs> you know nobody's judging they're like oh yeah well, sometimes I'll, I'll indulge myself but this guy's doing it on stage it's funny yeah um, you get you get to channel your life into the stage yeah 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 100 percent um, mean to me, of course, is just like one of the most heartbreaking songs, and yeah. I, I love it. I love it. Love it. Love it. Um, I think a lot of people can a lot of people can relate to that song, um, mm-hmm. especially Black women, um, which is like why Nell just knocks it out of the park. Um, I also like. I'm looking at the whole song list right here. Um, yeah, bye, bye, mean to me. Uh, keeping on mischief. Oh, and of course, yeah, yacht club, yacht club schwang. <laughs> oh my. God. <laughs> stupid and funny it's so stupid and funny it's, it's yeah it's just fucking bonkers and it but like in the best kind of way because again she's and charlene's playing not her actual track in that she's playing like a version of her track in that song um mm-hmm. she's playing like the ultimate girlfriend of the club owner who yeah. has absolutely no talent but she's got confidence up the wazoo yes um we all know that girl <laughs> yeah i f- Tain Nobody's Business was actually the first song I listed as like, okay, this is where we become this is where it starts to become the Amos Behave and everybody knows. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, the way it opens is is lovely, you know, and very charming. And I, this is, I mean, I so many times my dad and I will, you know, talk to each other on the phone. And I'll just like, uh, I'm saving my love for you and you and you. Oh, hey, daddy. Oh, hey, daddy. Um, <laughs> I don't think you have a truly good relationship with your father unless you answer the phone and go, oh, hey, daddy. daddy. Um, <laughs> and in fact, I um, back when I did my web series, Baking It on Broadway, I had Patrice Covington on and she had done a, a tour of Amos Behaven. And we did a little bit of the uh, and I and I do the oh, hey, daddy. And she wasn't <laughs> expecting it. So you can watch her. <laughs> You can watch her lose her shit. We're going to take my love for you and you and you. Oh, hey, daddy. And she just loses it. So <laughs> that's a great number, too, because it's also well done because the way that that starts is that every character is introduced by one line at a time. Absolutely. And they to come out and you present them, you meet them. Interestingly, Charlene is the only one that does not have that in the context of the opening. Everyone else comes out and she does not have a line that introduces her. Everyone she gets, comes she out gets one... introduced by Ken Page. She gets referred to because they come out together sort of in an embrace. Yes, but she does, but in a way that's, you know, she's on him, he's on her. They're, they've yeah. got sort of constant, but she doesn't sing anything to introduce herself. He sings and then they sort of all sing a little bit and then she has a little thing towards the end. So it also yeah. is, I think, a very like dramaturgical way of also putting her, us as an audience to remember that she's, a little on this or you know to have a start to think of her in that way yeah she's the, she's the one on the side yes. um and also i also love handful of keys which is start just a mel it's just a melody that and then malpy wrote lyrics for it it is the heart that that i remember that being like one of the hardest things to learn a lot of this is okay. very difficult which i mean i was just saying this the other day when i was doing the reading of the preacher's wife someone brought up that so much in as a, as a black person a person of color in theater mm-hmm. when you're maybe the only one you're not really you know you're sort of in this part here you're only really asked to bring like 14 percent of what you can really do and mm-hmm. what you what what can really challenge you and amos behaven is one of those shows where you can be surrounded by other people who know exactly what you're going through and encourage each other mm-hmm. to your full potential because this this music is not easy <laughs> so no. if you you know to to work on it and to really like master it and get it like handful of keys black and blue anything that was like with even like the last um the honeysuckle band to like do the music and stuff like that like that mm-hmm. was just like oh this is yeah. difficult but when it's, there's a when lot it's of difficulty. done it's like ah it's yeah. so cool because it is and, so cool. and then i mean the uh, the communal element of we're all in this together and like we all have to learn handful of keys that yeah. helps everybody you know reach their full potential but then also on the petty side because we all are people who love attention because everyone gets multiple moments to shine. It's not like everyone gets like a one song. Yes. Everyone gets multiple moments. Multiple. It's like, oh, I'm listening to Nell absolutely knock mean to me out of the park. I got to do how you, how you baby, like just, I got to, yeah, Charlene, you like just, I got a pussy setting pop. each other up. He's like, you know what? You did that. I'm going to do better. And the next person like, you know what? You did. And I'm going to, yeah. you just keep trying to like encourage each other to come out and do your best. Yeah. Some of the best shows I've seen on Broadway, I have learned after the fact came from, a little bit of pettiness backstage, not in a mean spirited way, but sort of everyone like knowing their worth yeah. and, see- and recognizing when other people on stage were getting their roses and being like, well, tonight I get my roses. So everyone would like just sort of come to the stage with fire yeah. and we as audiences would benefit because I'm like, oh, I just watched 20 incredibly talented people give me a thousand percent and I came and yeah. That yes. is, sort of, and, that's, and that's sort of this. It's like, yes, it's an ensemble piece, and everyone has to sort of support each other, but also everyone gets moments to shine. And it's like, no, 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 I stop the show tonight. Sure. I do it, and then as a, and then the benefit is that you all stop the show. You all do and, it at one point. Yes. Yeah, at one point you all stop the show. I like to tingle on an old piano. I like to wait in a subtle manner. I'm not a person with 
a little tune that's mellow. I got the vocalizers nothing Everyone's personality just keeps coming in and no one ever gets lost and it all just fits so well. God, I love Everyone it. knows exactly who they are from the yeah. beginning to the end of this show. And we're just wa- we're just watching it all sort of we're just figuring out for ourselves who these people are. And we just get a little bit each time. And because there always is an opportunity, whether you're the one singing the solo or you're with them or duet or something, you're always there's always an opportunity to inform more about the relationships that are on stage, you yeah. know? The only time someone will outshine someone else is when it's literally their one number, when it's not, right. when no one else is there. Anytime yeah. there's a duet or a trio, there's no one who gets like the track. It's yeah. everyone gets that moment. Like uh, I'm thinking about uh, find out what they like and how they like it, which yes. is yeah, and Mal towards the end. <laughs> they both like they they are bumping and grinding. It is it that is a true blue duet. And yes. I mean, how you baby like that's that is Andre and Charlene just back and forth with each Woo! other. I don't know how she didn't knock his teeth out with that. I don't. Because <laughs> she is swinging it. There's got to Hopefully there's, I mean, like, yes, I want to know if there's got to be nothing in that purse. Because she is, she's not just, she's swinging it, but she's also like, she is, they're both moving yeah. through that stage. Like they're just eating it up and they're just, oh, and also like, I love one of my, you know, when you're in like the chorus of something, or if you're doing something that's just a dance number and they encourage you like, you know, have fun. Woo. Yeah. Like make noise and things like that. Um, I always like to, um, in Spice Girls, when they do spice up your life, there's like little things that they do in the background. And I yeah. remember, <laughs> I think it's probably Jerry that goes, ay, 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 ay. so I always like to throw in an eye if I, if it makes sense, the period piece doesn't, but what Charlene does during her dance break is she just screams. She just screams yep. the whole time. She's just at one pitch screaming and i'm just like she's having so much fun like it's it's hilarious it's so good there's a kind of not that like i mean there's there's so many comparable situations to this but like as a performer there's a real joy when you are given a piece of material that allows you to just eat it and you are exact like in the prime of your talent in the prime of your ability and you just can go for it it's like it's a it's a i don't know like you go to another dimension almost yeah. and that is that is where both of them are at but especially her the way again like the way she's everyone go to youtube watch andre de shields and charlene woodard uh do how you baby I, they, the song itself might not be separated into its own video although it should be but you can watch the the whole televised yeah. production and it's early on in the production it's I think it's after Honeysuckle Rose. It's after um, I Got a Feeling I'm Falling. So it's like Handful of Keys, Got a Feeling I'm Falling. And then, it, and yeah. then How You Babe sort of jump starts the, the we're in the club. Because then it's like yeah. the general walks, they sing with the band, that whole thing. Yeah, because uh, the way that the show was originally done, and you can't really tell with the televised version because they kind of redid the design of it and all. Mm-hmm. But originally in, on Broadway and then in subsequent replicas, there was sort of a scrim that was down for the first like 15 to 20 minutes. So you heard the band, but you didn't really see the band. You saw a piano. Yes. You saw Luther Henderson on the piano and everything was happening in front of the scrim. Cause it was all mostly like stand and sings with the little bits of movement, nothing insane. And right. so for then when the band began, um, how you baby, the scrim came up and then the band came forward and Charlene is on 
uh the like bandstand with them all i you know i think that is there in the they drama. do that and that's yeah she rolls out with it yeah she rolls out with it and then the set is that for the rest of act one and yeah. we have this giant open space so charlene and andre can just mop the floor with yes. my cum it's so good <laughs> it's i it's just so there are certain moments in dance on broadway that just like eat my soul um it's when everyone comes together towards the end of turkey lurkey time yes it's when donna mckechnie does her down the line at the end of music in the mirror yep uh-huh yep. It's Charlene and Andre pussy popping in Amos Behaven. And it's the big um, catch in the pot of the, in the 94 carousel uh, yeah. where uh, Sandra Brown runs, does a giant tumble in the air and gets caught on her fucking back with no spinal cord whatsoever. Woo. Those moments give me, you know, Moses. I, I can't, I can't describe <laughs> it any other way, but it doesn't always have to be like physically impressive. It's sometimes just like how it fits with the music like yeah. this. I mean, obviously, we keep talking about the fucking handbag. That thing is the person. It, it is impressive. It's but sweet. yeah, more it's impressive again. I'm just surprised that she didn't knock him the fuck out. I know. And there's a lot of dance in this. I mean, everyone has to be able to move in this piece. Yeah. I would say that How You Babe is only like one with like a dance break. Um, but I mean, anything that they're doing together, especially at the top of show, to really like bring you in, like mm-hmm. after the sort of, you know, Amy's Behaving, everyone's sort of all over the place. But once we get into like looking good and feeling bad, it's sort mm-hmm. of all there's that little all bouncy together. It's very regimented. It's very syncopated. Um, but there's a lot of move. Oh, even in like top of spreading rhythm around, I was actually watching them and they have this like great viney two steppy thing that they're mm-hmm. doing like back and forth. And I was watching and I was like, oh, actually, I don't think those steps are the same both ways back. So they're very much like I know that was the thing in rehearsal. They were like, let's do it again. One back side, back front, mm-hmm. step, step, step back. You know what I mean? Like when you have to really break down the choreography. So. Yeah. And I don't know if remember who choreographed that. Um, whoever it was, I know, was nominated for a Tony Award. Mm-hmm. Um, this was one of those situations where they didn't win the most awards that night, just on the technicality of they didn't have an original book or score. Right. That was on Probably the 20th was century. Arthur Faria, F-A-R-I-A. Yeah, I think that's that sounds right. Yeah. Um, and I know he was nominated. He was nominated. But, uh, I mean... I understand you can only nominate so many people and everyone's featured, but like I'm sitting here being like, how was Armelia not nominated? How was Andre not nominated? Yeah. Not nominated? Like it should have just been all of them. I agree. Uh, I mean, they if, sort of have it like throughout Drama Desk, Theater World, Tony. Yeah. Sort of spread when got their, their moment ish. But yeah. yeah, especially when it comes to like the Tonys. Come on, y'all. Yeah. I'm, I think Ken Page was Ken Page nominated for Cats. That's a great question. Because I was going to say, he might not even be a Tony nominee at all. What? Which, I know. And Armelia's not. I know Armelia is not a Tony nominee, but That's she also didn't do, a, she didn't do a lot of Broadway after this. Yeah. She oh, famously you know won what? up the what? He's not. He's not. A, um, no, he was. Nominated. No, he was not nominated for a, t- a Tony award. Uh, although I think he is. He's the original father in Children of Eden in London. Yes, he is. And he sounds great. But um. Armelia also, McCoy. um, he also is that the singing voice? Oh, no, that's Brian Stokes Mitchell. Never mind. Of what? I was thinking of a uh, Prince of Egypt. Uh, I don't know if he did Prince of Egypt, but I know that Ken Page is the voice of uh, Boogie, Oogie Boogie, Boogie Man yes. in uh, Nightmare Before Correct. Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean he's just lovely. And uh, listen, if you want to understand how powerful Ken Page's voice and presence are, just listen to the addressing of the cats from Cats, and then listen to Judy Dench do the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
one of these things is not <laughs> Dame Judy Dench. <laughs> Listen, icon, icon, Oscar winner, Tony winner, sure, sure, sure. goals in ring, London. Ring wearer Judy Dench. <laughs> ring wearer Judy Dench. We love Judy Dench. She's a fucking icon. Uh-huh. Not to drag her down. But, but to just be honest. But just to be honest. One but of these things, I've also heard one of the nicest, kindest souls walking. Like, yeah, listen, anyone listen, that's ever done listen. a show with Ken, is, he's wonderful. No, Ken, first of all, with both Ken Page and Judy Dench, those two have done so much in this world that one dig does not even... Oh. That does not even make a scratch on the throne that is their legacy. Truly. I'm I'm still within, like, it's like seeing the Mona Lisa at the Louvre. Like, I'm still 10,000 feet away from the throne when I say yeah. these things. <laughs> uh, Listen, I saw Cats. You're not wrong. <laughs> well, did anyone ever see Cats? Everyone just experiences it. But, I got uh, the same, because, you know, Cats is one of my, Cats, I might have said, Cats is the, actually the reason I'm doing musical theater. I discovered, Cats is literally, like, what got me up and moving and really wanting to do like musical theater. I know that sounds in fucking sane. No, not, not the at movie, all. but like the original one. But your um, journey is your journey, Andre. Do not thank apologize. you. You're thank welcome. You. I like cats. I know. I so I like, like I cats. Very excited to see the movie, and I knew it was not going to be right, you know. But I was like, you know what? It's fucking cats, and that's okay. I'm just gonna go and see what they did with my show. I love your gonna... choice of words. You didn't say I knew it wasn't gonna be good. You said I knew it wasn't gonna be right. <laughs> it wasn't gonna be right. I knew it, and that's fine. So I went and so I was like, and I also want to make sure I got in before like the new edited version went out or something like that. So I was like, let me get it. And I want to see it now. <laughs> Andre wanted the butthole cut. I wanted, I, I, I signed the petition. I wanted the butthole cut. You wanted <laughs> your cake and to eat it too. <laughs> oh, bless it. Bless it be. Um, no, yeah. so, um, I actually have a soft spot for cats and you can listen to that episode on the British invasion series from a little over a year ago. I think there's a lot of cats that is actually quite good. I think objectively there's a lot of awesome music in it. And it's the last time Sir Andy got weird with his composing. Yeah. Like, that's a weird melody. And I saw the original production when I was a supple 10 years old and it was still mind blowing because I'd never seen anything on that scale before and i don't think yeah. i have since uh and when grizabella went to the heavy side layer in the original broadway production andre she, that that thing did not come from off stage she was not flown in from the from the flies the claw came out of the ceiling of the auditorium over my goddamn stupid child head and ah! fell out of my <laughs> bonkers um Woo. but Ken Page. We're talking about Ken Page. Uh, oh, Armelia McQueen uh, famously played the uh, Queen of Hearts in the yes. Alice in Wonderland series on Disney. Yes, which I was, uh, that was for me, I love the whole, anything Alice in Wonderland, I'm down for. Cheshire Cat mm-hmm. is one of my favorite characters in the zeitgeist of literature. And so like, I as a child, I always watched that. I loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. I, I, I loved put that the two together then. until I did the show and was like, oh, yeah, yep, yep, yep. The the two things I remember most about that Alice in Wonderland series were there was an episode where they had a pretzel maker and one of the queen's rings got lost in the pretzel maker, so they basically all had to eat a million pretzels until they could find the ring. And I remember watching that being like, I want a pretzel. But um the way that Alice would go into the mirror to go into Wonderland, I don't know if you remember this, it was hand first. Uh-huh. So she like like do a one step in with her hand. Uh-huh. And as a gullible, stupid oh, child. Many, 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 yep. many times. In the same way where, like, I was four and I saw those Skittles commercials where you planted your Skittles and it made a rainbow. I was yeah. like, oh, surely that's what happens. Yeah, I'll you just know? 
yeah. out yeah. of this yeah. reality. <laughs> exactly. And I would do it very I would do it very slowly. I was like, I must be doing it wrong because she has a very specific way of entering the mirror with her hand. Yeah. Yes. Never happened. Um I don't blame her. Is that on Disney Plus? It should be. I know it's a lot good. of it's on YouTube. It may, oh, okay, work. I'm gonna I'm yeah. gonna rewatch some of those. Yeah, Disney had some interesting 90s shows. But I mean that's sort of the interesting everyone in the cast got got success afterwards in different degrees. Yes. Mel became a TV star. Um yeah. and definitely became the most famous. Andre and Ken became staples of theater. Yeah. Uh Charlene kind of would float among all the mediums and always work. Never yeah. be at the pinnacle of what she should have been, in my opinion. And I think I agree. I think Frank Rich even mentions that in his review of the revival. He's like, he's like, I can't tell you if watching Charlene Woodard sing Keeping Out of Mischief now is just so good because she is that good, or if it's because I'm I'm just sitting here watching, going, God damn it, why isn't she a bigger star? Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he says something like that in his review. He's like, I'm sitting there being like, Why are you not like our main leading lady right now? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I will say Frank Rich, when you read some of Frank Rich's reviews from the 80s and early 90s, for a quite straight man mm-hmm. of a position of power from the 80s and 90s, he is he is about as on the pulse as one could be from that position from that decade for both like not just uh the black community but like the queer community, uh-huh. everyone like when he's reviewing falsettos for Broadway, he like makes a whole point to be like this is about people and this is about how, you know, you know, he's like, believe it or not, everyone, gay people are as flawed as you are. They're as nice as you are. They're as funny as you are. And they also oh. fuck up too. Like one of the things he hated about Lacage, he was like, he's like, listen, no one's this martyrdom. Like the two, he's like, the, like the two main gays of Lacage, like they have absolutely no flaws. And I find that kind of boring. And he's like, yeah. and then we have falsettos. He's like, Marvin kind of sucks. He's like, and I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they don't like but, that. Kind yeah. Of and he talks about that with dream girls too, with, you know, the, the American dream and how it's different. Um, the african-american community and all this other stuff and he talks about how he's like i love in act two and this is back when act two was very different it didn't open with the vegas show it opened oh, with uh-huh. it opened with the medley that really doesn't do much but i love it because i'm a basic person and then it has the um press conference afterwards right and he's like i love that um fame doesn't uh affect uh, the black characters of Dream Girls any differently than with the white characters. For example, Miss Jones does not discuss politics uh, <laughs> because <laughs> in, in the original, and I don't, we're, we're it's all interchangeable, y'all. So just get on board with my tangents. In the original Act Two opening of Dream Girls, it opened with like five years later, and the dreams are very successful, and they're doing a medley of their greatest hits, including right. Family, and they do Move, and it's it's meant to sort of show you just how far gone they've gone in their sound so like we yeah. heard move the top of act one and it's jennifer right. holiday wailing and then we have jennifer uh charlie roth going you better move yeah <laughs> yeah Ver- like very soft quiet uh-huh. and then it goes into this press conference and it's uh th- we get info on the dreams that we get info that you know dina and uh curtis are married, married. Mm-hmm. somehow the the press has gone wind that laurel is jimmy's mistress like everyone just knows they're like yeah. oh so will he ever leave his wife for you i'm like that's pretty open for the late 60s yeah uh, but they mention very casually via- the vietnam war and they're like miss jones what are your thoughts on the war what do you think about the war and then curtis just goes miss jones does not discuss politics work <laughs> and, and, I, and frank rich is in his review he was like i love that uh it's like fame does not affect 
black stars, any differently than white stars, none of them will ever discuss politics. Politics. (laughs) Yep. Very true. Which is, I mean, funny that we bring up politics now in the war because there is a full section in Ain't Misbehaving that is specifically about the war. Like from, Mm -hmm. I think like, you could say like ladies who sing with the band because they talk about like these these women that are going away to to support the boys in blue and sing yeah. for them. Um, so I think we did like Jakob Swing was like for the Navy and Nylon's Bloom again talks about the women that are going away to serve their country. Yeah. And how like Nylon's are actually remember like talking about this with someone because I guess at one point like Nylon's weren't a thing anymore or maybe like they, they were too expensive because of the war. So they had yeah. to switch to a different type. That's how they got like wool stocking thing they didn't like. Um, capture your trash and people used to like you know give their cash and their scrap metals to support the movement um so it's funny that there's this this whole second section that is about you know america you know or like it, yeah. it you know which just proved that fats waller also was very political with his music right and like how he was interpreting what was going on around him through the lens of th- that he was experiencing you know yeah absolutely i mean the thing is like with uso shows and whatnot of that era it came from a very patriotic place because, you know, yeah. World War II, it's we're going off. We're going to fight the Nazis. Yeah. It's it's Brad Pitt and Inglorious Bastards. Let's go kill some Nazis. Yeah. And it wasn't like Vietnam was the war that made everyone go like, should we be supporting this? Like, yeah, I want to support the troops, but like, I don't support the war. So like, what right. the, what the fuck are we talking about? Yes. Um, And uh, was speaking of Fats Waller and sort of why it kind of worked that Richard Mulpey Jr. was the director of this, in addition to the fact that he's a talented, smart man with it with an inherent sense of musical theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, you read some of the reviews, it's either Clive Barnes or maybe it's Walter Kerr, who made a point in the review to be like, Fats Waller was a Black artist who was very aware that in order to succeed at a certain level, he had to appeal to a white audience. Yes. And play the was, game. Yep, play the game. And, you know, what made him so unique was able he was able to hold on to his authentic self while being able to bottle it up for a white audience and i was very aware of that watching the televised version because i'm looking at the audience for it yes majority white like uh, yes it's not all white definitely majority white and definitely like the white audience members are at the front for the cameras right and the very i will say you watch that televised version and it's not that it's um like the joy in that room is very authentic. Everyone is truly loving it, and like, and it's a back and forth, and it's it is pure celebration of of black artistry and joy. But at but it is something to just uh, to acknowledge that while that is happening, the audience enjoying it the most is majority white. Correct. Yeah. Well, it's also I mean that's that's the case. Then it was the it's the case when Fats was writing the music, mm-hmm. and I thought about this too when I was watching it recently. The 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 bite and power that this has because the people in this show, at least the show that was happening, what seventy eight. So everyone in that production and in that audience might have some remembrance. You know, it's it's still culturally and timeline wise close to when that music was happening, right? So it's like. Yeah. You could think of like this being like the Anne Juliet of that time where the people that were buying tickets are like, I remember that song or I remember yeah, it. Absolutely. Um, so they're so the so like, you know, Charlene and Andre and Ken and Amelia and Nell, they're all able to really they're like, oh, this was I know, I know what this is. I know what the story is. I know what my ancestors my people were going through at this time who they were as people but then also the white aunts are it's the same sort of way like oh i remember i used to hear this on the radio or oh this this just brings back these memories to me and that's and that's okay and that's safe and then you 
you drive them home with something like black and blue where you have you do have to let them sit with something that is a little bit uncomfortable for them you know what i mean so it's and that that i think is also very genius you can't let to not let the whole night go by without acknowledging that part of yeah it. sort of like what you said too about um if you were thinking about thematically about what what fame looks like on a different side or what it looks like when you come up you know with a little bit of money and and how that still is like not the same for you as a black person that it is for other people and and just and just talking about that yeah. there's a i feel like there's this sort of secret to amos behaven that not everyone taps into and it's part of what makes it so beloved on both ends of the spectrum is that it's not an angry show and it could very easily be one right so it's not these black artists shouting at the white audience like we are reclaiming this music for ourselves but it's more sort of them kind of cheekily saying oh you like you dumb people this was never yours to begin with but yeah. we'll let you enjoy it but sure like, yeah come on like, to the yeah, party like, if you want 100%. Yeah, come, like come to the party but this is like yeah this isn't your house but yeah come to the party you're yes. like you're more than welcome to stop by but yes. this is not your house. And it's the same undertone that Fats had when he was making his music and repackaging it for the white audience. Like they, they just did the same. The, and I think that it sounds to me that in the in the making of this musical, everyone kept that in mind. Like, Absolutely. how let's make this a celebration. But also the secret that we all know that they don't know that we need to always have in our mind that they'll read is that this really isn't. This is about us. It's not really. About yeah, us. absolutely. You know? But be, but because. There's a confidence that can come when you know that you don't have anything to lose. Like, yeah, where it's um, it's it's not anger because it feels like the artist never thought that the music was lost, that the art was lost. It's like, no, we've always had it. Yes, we've always had it. You've thought for years that it was yours, but like we've always known. So we're not going to be angry about it because like what's there to be angry about? It's like it's never left my pocket. Right. Like, I can't be angry that you stole something when I know for a fact that's always in there. Um, And that's not how everyone feels about that era and right rightly so but i think because it is specifically about fats waller it's about that community and that genre and and that moment of history it's not about because it's not about reclaiming it's not celebration that's why it's more joy than it is anger and people gravitate towards joy more often in general um something that i kind of had issues with with a couple of shows this season that eventually closed was like the artists involved when the shows were struggling basically like took to social media to be like and not actually not even just shows a movie or two as well uh that was like come see my art because otherwise you're problematic and i'm like uh, yeah, i don't know what doesn't get an audience into a seat telling, <laughs> telling them that they're not going to enjoy what you made but they yeah. should see it i'm like no tell yeah. them they're going to enjoy it yeah like that sounds a little backwards. Yeah, that doesn't really. Yeah, well, it's like Bill. It, yeah, it, it, the the one I won't mention all the. Shows. I know which movie you mean. Yeah, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, Mr. Eichner, <laughs> Mr. Eichner, if you're nasty, where he was like, yes. "See, bros, you're homophobic." I'm like, that's the last way to get someone to come see bros. It's just not how you do it. Fucking funny. I think you'll have a good time. Yeah, like, that's all. That's yeah, all. It's like, yeah, I'm just gonna go into a Megan tangent, but I haven't seen Megan. Megan. Yeah, I haven't seen. I haven't it. I'm seen going it. on. I'm going on Sunday. I'm going this Sunday. But, but, that, but that's sort of what's made Megan, you know, the doll from hell, such a uh, surprise hit is everyone just being like, no, it's so much fun. Yeah. Like that, that that's what does it. I mean, even so like, um, I'm trying to think of like a show that is quote unquote, like important that still has done well. Um, I think we also, I mean, I thought about this earlier, but 
we I just sort of skip over it because I, I sort of put them together in a way just because usually they're generally like shows that I go in for. But Smokey Joe's Cafe mm-hmm. is a review show from like the 90s times. that also sort of does this thing that Amy Misbehaven does, right? It, it sets up music of a time. There are, it's not just an all black, but it, it is definitely like a representation of of what life was sort of like then because it, it is very much like a celebration of that music. I mean, that time was not great for everybody, right? Yeah. <laughs> but it still it still manages to to set that set up the music and set up these people and and let them express what that what the time was like and the music was like with without doing too much of having the audience have to necessarily wrestle with anything because that's not really what Smokey Joe's is about. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. It's sort of yeah, it's, okay, it's so funny you say that. So I was, um, about two years ago, I was quote-unquote hired. I say mm-hmm. hired, there's no contract, there's no payment. And because of neither, I eventually left the project pretty soon after. But I was brought onto this project for this uh, gentleman who will remain nameless. Older gentleman uh, very who had been a successful real estate lawyer all of his life, but over the years had dabbled in writing music. Okay jazz music in quotes i will say okay Uh, like the and he wrote all these songs about new york and whatever and he'd written a musical at one point and when he like hit 70 he was like i'm he's like i'm done with the real estate law i made my money but i want to i want to be known as a composer now so he like used all of his connections all of his money to kind of promote himself as a composer and he like has done well with the boca raton crowd because his music is very easy listening But he wanted to turn his catalog of songs into a streaming show and wanted to be about New York. And he sat me down and he had and I was told he had an idea. He had no idea. He had songs and a life. And so we sat down. He's like telling me about his life. And he goes, would you agree that New York is used to be better than it is right now? Meanwhile, like we're like less than a year into COVID. Like we Uh just got the vaccine, but only like essential workers are getting it. Uh huh. So like New York is. It's got legs, but it's like Ariel after she gets her legs. Like they're there. They're just, it's, <laughs> yes. We keep falling but still, down. But we're still not speaking. Right. Yeah. We're not speaking. <laughs> we're not speaking. Legs are wobbly. Like we, we're, within a few minutes, we'll be standing upright. Yeah. Um, but so, um, and I'm like, well, it, I'm like, I'm sh- in a lot of ways. Yes. It was, it was a more romantic time. Uh, You know, everyone was eating indoors. I was like, but it wasn't great for everyone. I said, I think in a lot of ways, New York is probably better now for many people that it wasn't great for when you were sort of in your prime mm-hmm. and he's like ha huh, i never thought of it that way and i was like of course you of course didn't you didn't <laughs> of course you didn't why would you of course meanwhile he wrote music that like god he wanted this love letter to to new york city with jazz music that i can only describe as the music that emma stone talks about in la la land of like i don't know i think of jazz i think of like that radio station my parents put on in the background for dinner parties and i'm like mm-hmm. yeah that's that is what this guy wrote that's that. <laughs> yeah. And when I brought up La La Land to him, he was like, yeah, I hate it. I'm like, you can hate it, but you want a musical about want- a city that's not very romantic right now with music that you think is old fashioned. Whatever you thought of La La Land, it did all of that and made half a billion dollars. So yeah. like <laughs> at the very least, watch it and be like, what connected with the 10 people that gave a 10, a billion dollars? Exactly. Um, just things to think about. But uh, yeah, like it's, it is like, this is a man who saw Amos Behaven and was like, ah, love this music this is the music of that I, of my era and i'm yeah. like and 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 that and it's nell carter being like you dumb dumb yeah i mean like and uh-huh. thank you for the price of your admission thank you and so thank much you, yes <laughs> we're, i'm so glad i have your money now 
Yes, because that's gonna take me to yeah. television. Well, it's like I, it's like, well, and, and a, in a weird way, like there, theater is this interesting exchange, right? Where it's like audiences think that they deserve the world for the money that they pay. In a lot of ways, like yes, you come in, you give the money, and you want something special out of it, right? Um, but in a lot of other ways, the advantage is purely from the storytelling perspective because it's like well, I got your money. And I got your attention for the next two and a half hours. Like, I come out of this on top no matter what. No matter what. Yes. No matter what. And that's sort of like kind of the dom topness of being an Amos Behaven, I want to say. Where it's yes. like, <laughs> it's like, oh, I know that you and your and your father thought that this music is yours, but like, it's not. And I and I now have your hard-earned money and your attention for the next two and a half hours. I come out as a king. I've I, I have pegged you, sir. I have mm-hmm. pegged you hard. Yes. And like, I honestly like for to be in like a position where like, you know, with like where Nell was or where or anyone was that was sort of still working really hard to get to a place where they could just be in a room where they felt safe enough to really be themselves. Mm-hmm. And for that thing to also like happen so quickly to like really move their careers along, like oh, you yeah. really can ask for like a better blessing than that to be a part of something, to build something that is standing the test of time the way it is um, that people have such a wonderful reaction to and that people like, you know, we're still talking about it and we know that we can deconstruct its importance of what it was like then, what it's like now, um, how it's changed, um, has it changed? You know, it's so like, that's, I think that's the dream Mm -hmm. for any, any storyteller is to be a part of something that has that type of effect on people. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's also interesting looking at Amos Behaven as it kind of comes towards the end of the 70s, which is a decade where. So. Um, are you familiar when Per Bailey went into Hello, Dolly? Yes. Yeah. Huge cultural moment. And like one of the uh-huh. few times a replacement performer got a special Tony Award. Yeah. Um, the downside is that Broadway took the wrong messaging from Pearl Bailey and that yeah. cast doing Hello, Dolly of less of like, oh, look what happens when we let talented black artists soar and like let's start creating more vehicles for them it became white producers going like oh there's a black demographic we haven't tapped into yet for for money so let's right. let's keep doing it so then we got like an all black guys and dolls and um there's another one that they did that and we get pearly which is you know was that before pearly because pearly uh, was the first all black bailey pearl dolly. bailey did hello dolly before pearly yeah so um, she she literally yeah set that no, she she set it all up <laughs> Because there had been, you know, there had been black excellence on Broadway. We had Diane Carroll and No Strings. We had uh, Leslie, Leslie Uggams, Uggams. And, Hallelujah, and Hallelujah Baby. Yes. But those weren't, the, like, No Strings was sort of like a soft hit. And Hallelujah Baby wasn't really a hit. Yeah. Uh, you know, also, I love Hallelujah Baby. Hallelujah Baby. I love it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> the one Tony Julie Stein ever won, which is so <laughs> crazy to think about. <laughs> but, I love it. No, it's a good no. It's a good score. Um, yeah, but it's, it's not. I mean, like, like you, you ask anybody, like you know, any of the kids coming up now, like, do you never heard of Hallelujah Baby? They'll be like, what? <laughs> yeah. it's, it's the only musical to win Best Musical after having closed. That's which is cr- yeah. Well, I guess you could also count Moulin Rouge, but Moulin Rouge was just sleeping. Uh, yeah, because they're back. Yeah, yeah, you're right. yeah. Yeah, I mean, are they really though? Like, if if you weren't alive to begin with, can you really come back from the dead? <laughs> uh, but, so, anywho, the. Uh, yeah, like with Pearl Bailey, we then get Pearly and we get uh, the Wiz, the Wiz, and an all black guys and dolls, which launches mm-hmm. Ken Page. The yeah. Wiz 
The Wiz is the first musical to really get the message from uh, Pearl Bailey and Hello Dolly. And the key is that The Wiz was an all-Black creative team. And right. it wasn't about uh, trying to monetize uh, a Black audience. It was just about take, uh, taking a story that everyone knew and reclaiming it for that audience and uh-huh. and with and with its own imagination and flavor and history and 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 it became another move another moment another movement and the same thing is true of ain't misbehaven and those are like the three moments of the 70s in a sea of shows that tried to do the same thing but yeah. again from a purely like oh this makes money let's try to do what they did and it's just right. never clicking as much the yeah. best thing i can say about pearly is that it gave us melba moore's i got love which is you know Woo! I know. Talk Notes about I never heard before. <laughs> never and never again, shall we? Never again, shall we? Um, oh God! I have that great. record. I have that album. I got it at a um, at a store that has like you know that does um, used records and things like that. And I found it one day, and I was like, "Oh, I'm taking this home with me." Uh huh. I there are two Tony performances where I shout through my computer screen, "Why are none of you standing?" <laughs> the one is Jay is Jennifer Holiday and Dreamgirls. Yes. Um, to, I mean, to their credit, I I have a feeling that audience is just so stunned because like you watch there's 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 some white woman at the front and you just see her like fan herself. I'm like yeah okay I'm like yes you're <laughs> she, you're winded okay fine. yeah she's with it yeah she just she knows she's on TV so she doesn't want to make she don't want anybody to look at her yeah. exactly <laughs> Melba Moore in Pearly it's the same year as Applause and I think Coco and I'm like you assholes sat for Catherine Hepburn's non singing. And Bonnie Franklin being cute, doing a decent song from Applause, uh-huh. and you do not stand and bend over for Melba Moore. Not bow down, bend over. Yes. Because <laughs> she's giving it to you. She is. So you know like how Evan Hansen's whole tagline is, you will be found? Yeah. I think Amos Behaven, when it comes back in the, in the essential, eventual revival, is Amos Behaven, you will be pegged. You <laughs> We will make you sink. <laughs> and honestly we're in such the the talent that is that is the the black theater talent right now that's happening um on broadway in the region like the 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 people that are right now in the mix of things i mean you could really turn out an incredible i mean like you give me like tiffany man ambry man um uh, <laughs> i'm telling you i'm telling you and you anton smith um, uh, and like, you get them to like, I'm telling you, and you could absolutely. run this thing and rotate them out and get the standbys of your life. But like this, you could really do. It's some- there. I'm yeah, sorry. There. You do not. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Andre, you do not say Amber Iman to me and then just walk away. <laughs> or um, I'm I'm blanking on her name. She was in Prince of Broadway. Uh, she sang. Um, will he like me? And she sang cabaret in Prince of Broadway. Um, God damn it, this is gonna piss me off. This is killing me. Because um, right I I re- talk about once again getting pregnant. Like I did not enjoy Prince of Broadway all that much, mm-hmm. but I did walk out being like, okay, get this bitch like five vehicles tomorrow. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, she also did the showboat sequence, of course, because they had to do showboat because it was Hell Prince. Okay, mm-hmm. Brianna Marie Parham. Brianna Marie Parham. I think that's I. Uh, B-R-Y-O-N-H-A. I want to say it's Brianna. That's how you pronounce it. I I apologize if I'm fully butchering her name. Um, and if and if anyone knows exactly how to pronounce it, let me know because this woman stole my uterus. 
uh, when I saw Prince of Broadway. <laughs> it's also an after midnight, and Gershwin's Porgy and Bess. Yeah, so we know it's in her. It's in her DNA. She knows how to do this. Yeah, get her in there as well. They're like the the talent, as you and I both know, it's insane. It's out there. Yes. Um, I understand through the grapevine that they are trying to get Camille A. Brown to helm a production of it, Ooh. which would be yeah, that would be interesting. I. I've only seen Camille's work in um, For Colored Girls, Once on This mm-hmm. Island, and Choir Boy. Right. So I would love to see... Oh, actually, no. And I also saw... She also did Ain't Too Proud or Am I Trippin'? No, that was Sergio. That was Sergio. Um, which, like, that's that goes in the Jersey Boys, like, Motown of sort of, like, it, that style of dance is all yeah. kind of one thing. Um, mm-hmm. I think... I want to say that Camille did also something at Encores. Like, maybe Cabin in the Sky, or maybe it was... Um, it wasn't Cotton Club because that was Warren Carlyle. But I feel like I saw her do one more thing. I would like to see her do something like this where it is it is similar from like to Once on this Island where it's it feels organic and improvisational, but it is a little more structured in a kind of old school style. Right. I would like to see her uh I would like to see that style from her just because she is currently one of my favorite uh choreographers right now. Her and Stephen Hoggett are the two where I'm like, anything they do. Part of the reason I'm seeing Sweeney, I'm like, what are they going to give Hoggett? They're like, Hoggett's doing the choreography. I'm like, and what's that going to look like? What's that going to look like? You were right about her doing Cabin in the Sky. She did do Cabin in the Sky. Yep. I am a freak of nature. I don't know how my brain works. <laughs> where did that Where did that come do from? It. I don't I know, but that, out that was like 2015. And you just like, boop. I, I, yeah, I saw that. I saw LaShawn's Norm Lewis do that show. I mean, that show is bonkers. But I remember, because like, I remember he plays, I think he plays God. Work. <laughs> someone else plays the devil, and they're both like trying to get Lashans to be good or bad, but they're not talking to her directly. So like Lashans is just sort of living her life, and they're like, "Be good, Lashans. No, be bad." And she's like, "I'm going about my daily life. I'm just going to sing this song." Yeah, it's 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 it was crazy. Um, but yeah, I would I would I'd be very interested to see that. Um, I mean, also, I mean, maybe it's because of the shuffle long shit. I would love to see George C. Wolf helm this. I I. Mm-hmm. Because that man hasn't done a show that's like pure joy in a very long time. Yeah. Uh, and also, like, I I don't know. I There are some directors where I'm like, we haven't had a work of theirs in so long. And everyone's like, it's been two years. I'm like, that's too long. That's too long. Especially yeah. when there are some directors that are out here every season. So like, Sometimes twice a season. Sometimes twice a season, yeah. So it's like, yeah, there's... Yeah. Years are too long. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know Joe Mantello hasn't done anything since who's afraid of virginia wolf closed in previous because uh-huh. of covid it we have now we are now in the middle of our second broadway season and i have not had a mentello yeah <laughs> i find that a hate crime yeah <laughs> homophobic homophobic <laughs> dorsey wolf what's he so busy doing I mean, I'm sure a lot. He's a very brilliant man. He's always working on something. But yeah. oh no, you know what? He no, he did the Ma Rainey movie, which is like okay, fine, whatever. But no, give me oh, something yeah. in the theater, please. Yeah, yeah. Um, and my hot take is I would have preferred to see his piano lesson instead of Latanya's, but whatever, it's fine. I'm not going to complain mm-hmm. when Noah Wilson is on Broadway. Mm-hmm. I just would have liked a set that didn't immediately look haunted. Uh, Fair enough. Have you seen? Have you seen piano? I lesson? didn't see it, and I'm no because then if, Death of a Salesman closed. The piano lesson is still open. I think yeah, piano lesson is still open. Uh, Death of a Salesman was another one where I was I've that one. My complaint with that one was it was just very British. Mm-hmm. Like I watched that show, I was like, oh, you are an English company. Well, we're not we're rather an English production team. Yes, hacking an American work. But mm-hmm. piano lesson. Are you familiar with the play at all? 
ish not really i'm familiar with um, a more other of um yeah it's it's one of wilson's weirdest because it deals with the supernatural a little bit Mm -hmm. but part of it is part of the tension of the show is like when they talk about seeing ghosts in the house you don't know if it's for real or not because you're just like you're in a living room you're like i don't know what's beyond these walls and that actually kind of makes it sort of scary like when you go down a sort of darkened hallway or like someone walks off to the next room you don't know what's going to happen to them yeah this curtain comes up on the set for this piano lesson and you're like, oh, that's a haunted house. <laughs> and I'm, and it, it kind of bugged me because I was like, I'm like, well, now the tension's gone. Because then when, yeah. when Daniel Brooks is like, uh, is like, I saw a ghost. I'm like, I believe you. I believe you. <laughs> I fully like, believe I you. I saw it too. I saw, yeah. But they, they sometimes they'll like, have like little moments of where, where like, of movement in behind because they're like they don't show any they don't have any walls it's all like beams so you see into all the different rooms and the lighting's okay. all purple and blue okay. and sometimes like daniel brooks will like would do something with her arms it's like she encountered a spirit and i'm like yeah no you can't like, yeah you're, you're seeing the other dimension that's i get it so when yeah. everyone's like i don't believe you i'm like i i do i saw goody proctor with the devil I re- <laughs> it's it's very yeah. that ah whatever it's closing soon and it'll be fine um but yeah that's to say george c wolf yeah i would like to see his name is behaven who who give me some other people you like to see in this show um um oh gosh uh what's his name um q what is i I always i always blank on quentin's last name because i just call him q um he was in the ragtime revival yeah yeah he was in once on the silent too once on the silent yes oh my gosh q don't listen to this because he also did um he was a part of the preacher's wife uh but he was i think he was he was unable to do it with us this time um for whatever reason unfortunately he had Quentin earl darrington that's his name fantastic like yeah. i think he's he's really incredible um andre jordan i hear is available to do it and would be great <laughs> as experience as experience well, that's the thing like any like i know so many of my friends that have done this show before that's so in their bodies and under their belt, you know, because it is one of those shows that, you know, as a black person, if it's in a season, you know, you've got a pretty good chance of getting at least one of the two, you know, or yeah. one of the three roles versus just one. So, and then you do it once and it's like, you know, you, you're, people trust you to know how to. Yeah. It's kind of like the marvelous wonderettes. Once you've done it, yes. a lot of regional theaters, like, Oh, you've done it. Great. Rehearsal time will be half the time now because you know, the show, yeah, we're just going to yeah. blow through it. And um, listen, I know that I can't actually be in the show, but whoever gets the Charlene Water track, if they need yeah. a bimbo consultant, yeah, I'm happy to just come in and be the bimbo consultant. Well, when I did it, um, that's how I met Britt Mack from Six. So, so I. When I did it. I was Andre, and she was the Charlene track. Yeah, so we did How You Babe together, and she she was hilarious. And oh, I bet so 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 great. Um, great. and actually, the last time I auditioned for it, her and I were both in callbacks for it. Uh, <laughs> dreams. So she that's was dreams. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I because the this show really does require its performers to do all of it um yeah. even the ones that are tracks that are like not necessarily as dance heavy as the andre track like there as you were saying like there is very specific movement you have to have a flow you can't just get away with being like oh i i don't move but i sing really well it's like well okay no you got to move well yes and you have to be funny and heartbreaking like and you have to be organic and natural on stage because it's it's the kind of performing where yes you do you know mug for the audience sometimes but a lot of it is just sort of being naturally you yourself yes and that's what makes it exciting like what are you what can you bring to it there's so much room and brevity to just be yourself in this um so that it's it's very like it's sort of a freeing thing you know yeah oh i forgot before we end we should take uh-huh. one more break Billy, I'd like to differ with you. How do you mean? you're the 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And we're back. <laughs> this is why people have producers to remind them like, hey, we have to, we have to, uh, this is why you want to be in set. Yes. Jane. Jane. <laughs> Nicole Byer literally has her producer on all of her recordings of her because if it, if it were up to Nicole, they would just keep talking. Yes. Yes. I feel um, that. I, I I also I I take my non secretors from Nicole where she was like and on that note which is like not any note right like, and, <laughs> like, and then I experienced a major trauma she's like and on that note we have that, to yeah break. we're gonna <laughs> it's great I love it so much um but yeah I prefer to say the the break breaks before before going into it otherwise it just comes out of nowhere um yeah so if someone wants to do this show or actually no let me before we do it again. For the casual listener of this podcast, uh-huh. maybe it's like, you know, I I liked it when Matt talked about Rent. I knew Rent. I don't really know anyone's behaving. Yeah. How would you pitch this show to someone who's like, maybe I'll look into it. I don't know. Like, how would you, what what would be Andre Jordan's words to say, dumb, dumb, get to stepping and, and get to the show? I would say, um, dumb, dumb. You have to watch it because, I mean, I would say, first of all, it's so easy to watch. You can just go on YouTube right now and watch the whole thing. Like, mm-hmm. it's super easy to find. Um, and it's a great recording of that production. Um, you're going to see stars in the making that, you know, hadn't gotten their start yet that it just, like, propels them. It's a celebration of, of Black music. Um, and it's a party. Um, and it's uh, it's also very heartfelt. So I would I literally just, like, I would, I would just call it, like, it's a, just a full celebration of this man's music. Um, and it's worth listening to because you learn a little bit, but you mostly just have a really, and you're just, you're going to be entertained no matter what. It's a very entertaining show. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely check it. You should, you should watch it. 100%. You should watch it. Should but watch it. once you start, you're going to be so happy you did. You are. Yes. And it's going to hook, it's going to hook you right in. It's going to yeah. hook you right on in. And that's, yeah, the thing I don't too, want anyone to think that this is homework. Like it's yeah, not homework. It's homework. And I'll tell people too, because this is also a thing that people like to know it moves. So don't worry. Like you'll, it, the, the show just keeps clipping yeah. along. Um, and the televised version is a bit shorter than the show itself. They cut a couple of numbers. I know they cut squeeze me and the jitterbug waltz. Oh yes. You're so right. I didn't even, I didn't even put that together. Yes. they I, did. You're so right. I have a father who has seen the show so many times. <laughs> I, Andre, I cannot, my father, I've said this before, and he'll be mad at me if he hears this, but my father is the gayest straight man alive. Uh, just like, this, this is a man who came to New York for a, a week with his girlfriend in 2011 while I was in college and tried calling me while I was in class and I was in class. And then I got like a million texts from him just being like, call me back, call me back, call me back. 
Gosh. And I run out of class and I call him and go, dad, what's wrong? He goes, oh, nothing's wrong. Margaret and I saw Follies last night. And I wanted to compare notes with you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> compare notes. That's my daddy. I love that. Someone was like, oh my God, there's a reviewer here because he's writing. <laughs> but really, it was just your dad. It was just my dad <laughs> writing down his thoughts on Jan Maxwell. <laughs> oh, hey, daddy. <laughs> yeah, no, my father loves this show. So I I know it pretty well. It. And um, his, so his favorite moment, he's got a lot of favorite moments. He loves um, in Honeysuckle Rose when Nell Carter refers to her boob as her cup. Uh, uh-huh. And it's always like the small details that we always remember. But he, what he loves is the very end um when they all are instruments yes. and eventually come together clarinet saxophone and just it blows into this orgy of sound and it's yeah just ex- it's not it's your classical closing number no and it's like it sort of gives you this great move where you're really just acknowledging the music it's mm-hmm. really like, and that's the thing that's like, don't forget, it's all just about this man and his, or- and the way that this sound that he created. So we're going to leave you with that sound fully. And then that's how you're going to, you're going to walk out of here with that. 1000%. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, it's, 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 I mean, it is the gold standard of reviews for sure. Um, yeah. Still untouched. It, nothing comes with it, at it with a, with a 10 foot pole. Uh, I don't want to call it a bio jukebox musical because it is, while it's a celebration of fats, it's not about him. Yeah. Really. It's a, it's a, I would definitely call it a solid review show. Yeah. Um, and, and one of those best musical winners where it's like everyone who knows it understands why it won. Yes. And fully is in agreement of why it won. Yeah. But there, I know there are like some esoteric people out there who are very big on like on the 20th century because of its like operetta like score and John Cullum and all that shit. On the 20th century, I like the score, but it is a show that I'm always watching. Always, not always watching. Anytime I have watched on the 20th century, I'm, I watch it and I'm like, I feel like I should be loving this. I'm kind of just liking it. Yeah. Whereas Amos Behaven, you go and think like, I think I'll like this. And you walk out and go, no, I fully fucking loved that. Yeah, I loved this. My yeah. This is probably one of my, my grandma's favorite shows that she ever came to see me in. And she has seen me do every every single show I've done, she's been able to come to. So, and it's up there at the top of her favorites. Yeah, her second too. favorite is when I did Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat with Clay Aiken and Kay Alicetta at, at the Agunquid Playhouse. You didn't do a hair flip when you said that? You just did it. <laughs> there <laughs> it is. Bam. <laughs> She loved it. Oh my god! What's not to love? I mean, I I love it. I love 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 too. It's one of my absolute. I've done Joseph three times, um, but like you I love that the, that's her favorite because it? that was a very special production. Who have you played in Joseph? Uh, the first time I that was the first time I did, and I played Gad. The second time I did it, I played Dan, and then the last time I played, I played Zebulon. Mm-hmm. So Is trying, Zebulon does all of them? Does Zebulon does does he do Canaan days? So actually, every time I've done it, it's sort of been different. So like Zebulon didn't, I didn't have a solo as Zebulon when I did it the, the last time. But Hateful. Canaan Days is, it's always a different brother. Because I played Dan, but I sang Benjamin Calypso, which is usually what, um, fuck, what is his name? Sings, shoot. And just I don't know, there's like 12 brothers. There's too many. <laughs> too many brothers. And none of them are naked. So like, that's your it. name, but you're not going to sing the traditional song that that brother sings just because we want to flip the names around for funsies. So, yeah. Talk about a show that is, well, no. I guess I don't, I don't think that show is necessarily in desperate need of a revival. I, think, I don't think so either. No. No. I, it would be, I would like to see a fun concert of it. Uh, I know they did one, but I didn't, I didn't go to see it. Um, 
You know what I need? I need audio of when of when the Vosk did it at Muni. That's what I need. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Can you mm-hmm. imagine what the Vosk sounded on? I saw some clips on Twitter. I saw some things on Twitter. There was on. Well, I don't have Twitter. Oh, I, you, you, fair enough. No, I just have, <laughs> I just have Insta. I'm a visual learner. I hear that. Uh, yep, yep. Well, you get all the all the bootlegs and all the clips and the audio audio share files are all on Twitter. The theater Twitter community is serious. <laughs> they, oh, oh, I know. Oh, I know they are. Um, I tend to go to YouTube to find my bootlegs, but mm-hmm. lately I've been on a uh, wicked K-hole, just listening mm-hmm. to all the different versions of Adina in previews. Uh, when Work. when she was just confident and healthy and great. Yeah. <laughs> what a stupid bitch I am. Ah! All right, Andre. Before we close up, we have a game. Oh yes, let's play. It's the same game. It's two games, but and it's the same game. They just have two different names. Okay. They're both essentially six degrees of. Okay. The first is called Six Degrees of Sally Murphy, who is an actress that I love very dearly. Okay. Uh, I I'm sure you don't know her. It's fine. Uh, her main credits are she was Julie Jordan in the Audra Carousel. Okay. She plays Sally, the coked out, comatose drug addict in the Lacusa Wild Party. Okay. She's Seidel in the Fiddler on the Roof with Alfred Molina, which famously had very few Jews. Uh huh. She's the sister in August Osage County that's fucking the cousin, who you find out's the half brother. Wow. Oh wow. yeah. Um, trying to think. She what? works. Oh, she works all the time. She was just in Downstate at Playwrights Horizons. Okay. Uh, she was in The Minutes and Linda Vista last season. Uh, she also what was the other thing she did? She uh she was in Grapes of Wrath. She did uh she was in the original Off Broadway Man of No Importance. She was the original woman who sang Princess. Work. Yeah, she was in Bernarda Alba with Felicia Rashad. She was Amalia. She's uh, Amalia. Yeah. No one ever thinks lustful thoughts of you. Clap 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 clap. Alba. Um, I love Michael John Lucusa. Well, it's not to well. There's a um, lot not to love, but I love. Serious, a lot. But I'm a big fan of his work. <laughs> Point is. That's Six Degrees of Sally Murphy. The second game is called Who Lives, Who Dies, Janine Tesori, which is just Six Degrees of Janine Tesori. I love... Janine Tesori is actually my favorite um, contemporary composer. Andre, she is. her baby boo-boo child. That is... That shouldn't be a hot take, but it is the correct take. Thank you. <laughs> she is, hands yeah. down. My favorite musical of all time is Carolina Change. Um, and Shrek the Musical has paid my bills 20 times over. Like, it's... She's everything. And I just saw Kimberly Akimbo tw- uh, twice because I saw it at the Atlantic and I saw it again on Sunday and it's gotten better. It's perfect. <laughs> sure has. I saw it at the Atlantic and loved it there. And then I saw it uh, in November and yeah, only got better. And it's all that all that they did is they just kind of trimmed it a bit. They sharpened it a bit. I know the Act 1 finale is a new song, but it's the same scene. Mosey mm-hmm. is just tightening and like they shaved off 10 minutes and it's fucking perfect. It's uh, right no, I... Look at that! I can't really. Yes, that. I love their merch. I love that color. It's so oh, so sad. I I don't like the logo, but I love the merch because yeah. like I love the blue. It's all it's all fine. Um, a friend of mine works on the marketing team for it. He's like, remember when you told me you hated the the logo? I'm like, I still do. I just love all the merch. I just love um, the merch. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we have to do six degrees of Janine Desori, and we have to do six degrees of Sally Murphy because yeah. you know Miss Desori. And what we do is we have to go from Amos Behaven to Janine Desori. Okay. You can use the entire original company of Eight Misbehaven. That's so hard. You can use the original production team. And you have to find ways through credits to get the Janine DeSori. I yeah. think I I actually have found one. Okay. While we were talking. I'll I'll help you. I'll help get you halfway there. Okay. Nell Carter. Uh-huh. 
was back on Broadway in the mid nineties in uh-huh. a revival of Annie, where she played yes. Miss Hannigan. Uh huh. Do you know who the star to be was in that production? In that one, the st- oh, who the star to be was? Okay, okay. So this is ninety what? Ninety seven, I think. Seven. She would go on to win a Tony Award about five years later. Is it Jane Krakowski? No. no. Good guess, though. Uh, uh, Jane, uh, think more tappity tap, flappity flap. Uh, tappity tap, flap. It wasn't Sutton. It was, was it? Was it, it Sutton Foster? Sutton oh, Foster okay. was the star to be. And wow. so, what's our connect? So, and from wow. Sutton Foster, we can get to Shrek Mr. the Musical. Shrek or Millie or Violet. Those, yeah. <laughs> those two just constantly work together. We love to wow. see it. Wow. Yeah. I don't think I knew that that was her. Well, now you know. Now oh, you know. know. Well, it's why it's partly why the Star to Be is considered such like a blessed track because uh, Lori Beachman, original narrator of Joseph, was the original Star to Be. Yes. Sutton did the '90s revival, and then Andrew McCardle did the TV movie. Uh huh. So it's considered a blessed track. It really is. All right. So that's how we got to Tesori. That was um, fun. I'm sure there are other ones we could do, but that's I think that's the best one. Um. All right. Sally Murphy. Sally this Mur- is where I'm gonna. Okay. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try. I'm. Right. Almost, I think. I'm sure I can do it. Okay. Oh, you know what? No, I can do it. But I'm, this one, this one's easy. But I'm gonna, I'll do the easy one and see if I can do a harder one. Okay. Richard Mulpey Jr. directed the original Amos Behaven. He wrote the lyrics for Miss Saigon, which mm. was directed by Nicholas Heitner, who directed the Audra Carousel with Sally Murphy. Mm-hmm. Now that's that's an easy one. I want to see if I can find an, a, a more interesting credit for Sally. Um, do we do we want to try can to you- get to Bernada Alba? Can you get there from Ken Page? Ken Page to Bernardo Alba. Okay, here we go. Let's let us see, shall we? Uh-huh. Let's go. <laughs> okay. Ken Page was in Cats. Uh-huh. With Terrence Mann. Uh-huh. Who was in. Okay, we're gonna get there. We're gonna get there. We're gonna get there. We're we, we are I'm going to get... Oh, okay. Was in Cats with Terrence Mann, uh-huh. who was in Beauty and the Beast with Gary Beach. Ah, nice. Who was in the first revival of Les Miserables with Daphne Urban-Vega. Yes, who was here we go. Bernardo with Sally yes! Fucking I was thinking, I was like, I was like, if I could, I was thinking in my mind, I was like, how do I get from Ken Page to Daphne? That was literally what was in my brain. <laughs> and I was like, there's got to be a rent way in there. <laughs> Motherfucker, I did you it. did it. God damn it. We well did it, done. Joe. We did it, Joe. Well done. Thank you very much. Andre, this has been delightful. Um, yes, I agree. Where can people find you if you want them to find you? Okay, so you can find me on Instagram at Jersey's Andre Jordan, J-E-R-S-E-Y-Z-A-N-D-R-E-J-O-R-D-A-N. You can find me on Twitter, if you're on the Twitter, at Cinnabons Jordan. There's a, there's a similarity between the two names. So Cinnabons, C-I-N-N-A-B-O-N-Z Jordan. I like to put Z's at the end of things because I feel like that's a very millennial thing of me. Like we like our boy bands, like things with the Z's at the end of them. So Jersey's Andre Jordan has a Z in it. And then Cinnabons Jordan also has a Z in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're in New York City, um, I work at Don't Tell Mama's, the piano bar cabaret spot. Um, it's on 46 between 8th and 9th. I work there for piano bar every Tuesday and Wednesday night. I'll be there bartending and serving drinks, but also everyone that works there sings. So if you want to come and hear me do some songs and sets, if you want to tip me money to hear your favorite song, I will also do that too. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's where you can see me perform in New York City right now. Um, so yeah, Instagram, 
Twitter and come see me at Don't Tell Mamas. Beautiful. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Matt Coplick, usual spelling. If you like the podcast, give us a nice five-star rating or a little review. Anything helps with the algorithm, Henny. Uh, join us next week for God knows what, because I've been recording this whole thing out of order. And it's just a matter <laughs> of like who I can get, who wants to cover what. It's been a it's been a wild ride. Um, th- this is to say the series might get shortened if I can't get certain shows covered, but it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Um, it's been an ordeal anyway. So yeah, join us next week for God knows what. Andre, we close out every episode. With the Broadway diva. And we like to relate it to the show we're covering. Uh-huh. Um, now, I don't think we've done Nell Carter. And it would be very easy to get a Nell Carter. We have spoken highly of Miss Charlene. We haven't spoken as much about Miss Armelia. Yeah. Uh, any of these three women do it for you? Or do we just want to channel all three from Avon's to Haven and have them sing together? Oh, well, cha- well, well. I, for me, Nell Carter is, is very much like I knew who Nell Carter was before I knew that she was named Miss Behaven. Like she's mm-hmm. just always been like, I knew her. For, I watched a lot of television growing up. So for me, Nell Carter is like, is my jam. I saw her in Annie. Ugh. I did. I mean, I don't remember much about her in Annie. But you know that you saw it. Oh, I, I have the playbill. I went backstage, got the t-shirt. Worked. Then they're done that. Um, And I knew Armelia from Alice in Wonderland. Right. Um, Yeah. And then I think. I think what got me into Amos Behaven, my dad was like, you know, the Queen of Hearts was was in this. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> well played, um, So do you want to do Nell then? You want to do something with Nell? Sure. Okay. You know, she was supposed to be the original Effie, right? That she's who they wrote it for. Oh, oh, I didn't know that. Yep. I love it. And then she went on there. She, they wrote it for her. They kept pushing it back for her to commit. And then she's like, actually, I'm going to go get some TV money. I'm like, okay, I guess we'll go and hire this Jennifer Holiday. Right. <laughs> this this kid, this 20-something. <laughs> yeah. If we must. Yeah. And the rest is, as they say, herstory. Um, thank you so much, Andre. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And have a great rest of your week. And that'll be it for now. Take us away, Nell. Bye. Bye. Singing the blues and sighing. Coldly, each day I'll be and you. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.